Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's episode six of Waypoint Sports and Sports Adjacent Podcast that sets out to disprove the notion that people with lives dedicated to pixels jumping across the screen can, can't also be unhealthily interested in what nerds condescendingly refer to as sports ball every Super Bowl. Oh, Rob, it is with a it is with a heavy, heavy Eddie Jackson on IR, Darnell Mooney on IR, Aaron Rodgers saying that even though he's got busted up ribs, he wants to come back and get a win before he goes on the bye. Hart, start off every episode with the same question. Are the Bears back? The Bears are extremely gone. <laughs> They're hibernating. The bears are are hibernating, but also there's been a population collapse. Uh, we're not sure how many will be left in the spring, uh, or or what condition they will they will be in. Uh, it's it is bad out there, and yes, it is true. It was a it was a year of reconstruction, but it is this is a tough team to watch. I mean, you know, Fields goes out with a separated shoulder described in a couple different ways, like an AC joint injury broadly seems like it is a pain tolerance issue with the possibility, depending on the severity, to be something that, you know, could be a uh, something with a longer impact. I think they made absolutely the right decision to sit him, whether that's what Fields wanted to do or not. Um, the fact that <laughs> the, upon the, our backup, uh, Trevor Simeon, uh, a former, I think first round pick or early round pick for the Broncos when the Broncos were in the post Peyton Manning pre Russell Wilson. Whew. That's another thing we'll get to. They'd probably take Simeon back right now. They probably, they probably would. I mean, that first drive where he was just nailing a lot of like over the, over the middle of the field passes. I could already see like certain beat reporters just readying their takes. Like why, why does Simeon just make it look so easy when fields is supposed to be this dual threat quarterback? Uh, and, and you even saw tweets along that line and then just immediately, you know, Simeon was what he is, which is a, you know, a, a, a below, below average backup quarterback that does not share many of the same skill sets of, of Justin Fields. But the fact that uh, I wasn't paying attention to, Sports news right before the game started, but then I get a frantic text message from like three different people that is just like Trevor Simeon, the bad backup quarterback, has suffered in a oblique, like what is an oblique injury? Is that in the hamstring? Is that a leg? What is an oblique injury? I thought injury? that was like midsection. I midsection. Like, I, I thought those are yeah. I thought those are like your uh, side muscles on your core. Okay, sure, I believe you. Either way, it was an an, an injury that. 
uh, the Simeon described as, quote, embarrassing <laughs> after the fact that made me think, is this just an issue of, like, you know, as you get older, you can cause yourself horrible injuries by basically doing nothing. Is this something where, like, he bent over to, like, pick, pick a pen up off the ground and you hurt your oblique and suddenly can't play in, in an NFL start, starting quarterback position? And, the, and then the Bears played this wild back and forth where they announced to reporters that uh, Nathan Peterman, famously one of the worst quarterbacks still bound, bouncing around the NFL, uh, and a dude what, John Gruden was just rabid for. Oh, my God. Yes, that was one of the funnier arcs of, of that whole was like, actually, Nathan, we're going to bring him in. Just people don't understand him. He's he's fucking trash. His stats are unbelievable. It's something where, like, he he throws an interception for every 10 passes. Uh, like, just just absolute trash-tier quarterback. Um, and he was on the practice squad, elevated. And they tweeted out from, like, the official Bears communications, like, hey, Peterman starting. And then... You know, you have Adam Schefter being like, actually, it's a game time decision. You know, Trevor Simeon is really pushing to play. And you just have every Bears fan just going, I don't even want to watch this game, but I will. And then just just very Bearsy sorts of stuff, just like and then the fact that the game went on to just be a complete shit show with many beloved players. You know, if you ask me, who would I not want to get injured in that game, probably in the top three would have been Darnell Mooney and Eddie Jackson. And Eddie Jackson goes out with a Liz Franks injury, which can't be like pretty extensive in terms of the recovery. Um, Darnell Mooney doesn't seem all that big of a deal. It's just an ankle thing that requires some minor surgery. So he's, he should be good to go. But it was it was a, it was depressing to, to, to watch. And you get to the point in the season where now you're starting to wonder, what are you what do you what do we what what are we doing? here um so this is the other alarming thing like this was all like one of my concerns about a season like this is football involves a a degree of wear and tear and when mm -hmm. you're putting guys out there with shitty teams uh and they are forced to carry a lot of load like i i was on board with like the it is a prove it season for fields and all that mission accomplished yeah we saw we saw what we needed we needed to see and then they scrapped what was left of an already teetering defense and we're clearly now in a we don't give a shit if we win mode. But then the core of the roster you need for the rebuild is now getting banged up. Yeah. And that's the part of this that kind of bugs me is that, you know, it for a play that was all about laying groundwork for the future, it feels like they might be shaving some games off that future, uh, w- given what they're asking of these players. So, I don't know. This is this is the part that, that kind of bugged me about this approach is to take a lot of good players and say, we're going to carry the load, the season put the fire. entire team on, on you. I mean, this is what leads to Fields getting injured because he's running at a pace that is historically impressive and exceedingly fun to watch, but is not a long term solution for him as a player. But he's done because. He's under duress from a bad offensive line that can't block for him when he needs to pass. Uh, And you have receivers that aren't getting uh, any separation. And then you have a defense that is just leaking out. All is just it's just a boat going. They hit an iceberg. They're going down. And uh, so then anything to happen requires him to pull miracles uh, together. And they cut away so much on the defense that like 
they're really going to have to have some terrific drafts and they're going to have to make really good. Like if, if they want to avoid becoming the second coming of like uh, Ryan Pace, you know, you're going to have to make really smart free agency decisions. And that is not always a that, you know, it's far from a sure thing. No, for, you and, don't want you don't and, fix teams in free agency. You used free agency is band-aids for right. a team that is coming together. Now, granted, they have more money than God, but that's it can go fast if you're making bad decisions at free agency time, especially because veterans like to structure deals where it's like I get a lot of money and a front. decent number of years and, and it's guaranteed for a bunch of those years. Yes. Yes. You're yes. going to get my last two good seasons and then you get my rapid decline. And and so that's that's the other thing is I, I you know, I think we've been sort of hopeful for the future. But at this point, uh, it's clear there's a lot of rebuilding that needs to be done to bring that future in line with kind of what we've been hoping for. Yeah. And it just makes it weird now. I distinctly remember last season uh, the close. So there was actually a moment in this game where the Bears were ahead. They were ahead like 10 seven. I was like, what the OK, I don't want to watch this game. I'm going to. Because this is what I do on Sundays. The kids run around and I drink beer with a handful yeah. of people and we watch the games. But my position is now switched in a, in weirdly into how I was last year where like I want the team to lose in the most embarrassing fashion. Well, last year I wanted it to be embarrassing because I wanted them to fire Nagy and Pace. This year I was like, I don't want it to be embarrassing. I just want them to lose and I want it to be fun up until the moment where they lose. And we got many games where they lost yes. coin flip. Like this team has zero talent basically and their record while uh what three and seven or uh whatever whatever it is right now could easily be seven and three with you know what i mean like there are there are so many games that they that they lost on on bad players not executing despite justin fields putting them in a position to succeed or the defense letting them down so again it's not hard to see how a team like this it's pretty is pretty decent uh next year. But I where I remember, was distinctly remember the Seahawks uh Bears game um in which it was Nick Foles playing because Fields was injured, Andy Dalton was injured, and it was in the snow in Seattle, and I just wanted them to lose. And yet Nick Foles just wheeled them across the finish line for a win, and it was fucking infuriating because Good for you, Nick Foles. But the last thing I needed was management. That's at the a ex- fun game, though. It was a really fun game. fun game. But that, but that's like the weird, and in some ways where I'll watch these games and sometimes some of the neighbors who come by who do not pay attention to any of this meta. Like, they are strictly watching on a week-to-week basis where they would like to see the team they enjoy win. And in some ways, this is like the blessing and the curse of understanding and following sports at this level where I can sit and explain it to them like, well, okay, but like according to tankathon.com, there's a bunch of teams that are three and seven. And if like the Steelers win uh, based on the strength of schedule, we don't want to drop down from like number three to number six. And like, you know, like I can explain that. And I enjoy because I can talk to someone like you and like we could talk about like sports on that level and appreciate it. But there is also something to the effect of, just being disappointed because the team played poorly and just wishing they played better and like not having any of the, any of this other stuff surrounding you where like, I'm talking about man set, you know, if they actually manage to hold on to like the number two spot in the draft, they are absolutely going to be able to trade down to a, 
four or five, still get an elite pass rusher, get a wide receiver later on. Like, it's just like, no one is, these people aren't thinking that way. And maybe it's better. Maybe that's a superior way to play sports is not to be, it's not well, even ignorance. It's just sort of enjoying the product in front of you, as opposed to thinking of broad, more broadly, what it means as like a franchise. I think it's also that. And I think, you know, maybe my last thing on this point is, Football is a fluky game because it's such a violent game. Mm-hmm. Like careers can be, you know, players get hurt uh, all the time. Sometimes those injuries are, sometimes those injuries are severe, but sometimes they don't seem severe at all. It's just you can't perform as an athlete at near the level you did before. And like that can just happen. Like football is, is, has that sort of like luck of the draw aspect with, with like how injuries play out. And then there's a lot of luck of the draw of just how players will adapt to the NFL, whether they can or will come into their own in the league. And so I'm always a little bit like, I tend to think that you should always be a bit modest about your ability to totally plan for the future and like lay foundations. Cause the nature of football is that, you know, you'll be shocked at how foundations can crack immediately uh, the, that you just thought would have been, would have been shored up. And so the the thing I find a little bit <laughs> look at the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, so that that's the thing, right? And and that and that's the that's kind of the other part of it is you know, I'm I'm totally on board for that that ridiculous quote where to take the NFC North and never give it <laughs> <get> back. back. <laughs> I like sure, whatever. I love I love the thought. Mm-hmm. But I think the Rams are an interesting uh, cautionary tale. Like uh, on Bomani Jones podcast, uh, he brings this up a lot, this thought experiment of would you rather have your team go all in on a year and win it all and then be stuck with a bunch of bad contracts and like kind of be in the wilderness for a while? Or do you have them be a decently above 500 team year in, year out mm-hmm. playing good football? Increasingly, I am in the camp of like, I want to see good games. I prefer because for me, we, we actually have a version of this. With, someone wrote in JB from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Says, hey y'all, it's now very clear the the Rams sold their souls to the devil for that Super yeah. Bowl run last year. A run that included being the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, which at the time, if we had lost the Super Bowl, that win over the 49ers would have been enough for me. This season has been pretty miserable to watch as a Rams fan, but hey, last year sure was fun. Would y'all want the Bears to sell their souls in this way if it meant you could have eliminated the Packers and Rodgers in the NFC Championship game and go on to win the Super Bowl? Okay, well, if you're sweetening it with you end the the Packers. So that was that was the thing that got me because this happened one time in the in the 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 year that the Packers went to the Super Bowl, which I also, as I've mentioned before, is the year that I went to the Super Bowl with my dad for his work. They did to us. Like we met in the NFC Championship game. It was the Bears Packers rivalry at a time when it still was a pretty decent rivalry. It like elevated to the highest stakes imaginable. It was the Super Bowl for the Bears and Packers because it was a literal ch- it wasn't just a chance to go into the playoffs, which has happened before. Um it was a chance and I believe actually that year, that same NFC Championship matchup, that was the year that the Bears had oh, what was that safety? Everybody hated him. He if they if they touched the ball, it would have been on the ground, but one of the Packers players picked it up. Oh, right, right, right. And brought it into the end zone. And that was an elimination game for them to go into the playoffs. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then they right. went on a run from that to win 
the Super Bowl. I believe that is the same season. I, I want no. I want to say, no, it's not. Those I, are different seasons. I am I am pretty certain they were different seasons. Oh, okay. Yes, because I because I was li- I I remember the apartment I was in when that play happened, and it was different than the apartment I was in for the Super Bowl season. Okay, okay, but I because I, I remember I remember that play, and it is like my last memory of that night was walking into the the kitchen and pouring a massive like third old fashioned of the <laughs> night. Uh, and the rest is kind of a haze because it was like the Packers weren't that good. Like the Packers weren't playing that the pl- weren't playing particularly well. Uh, uh-huh. And and the Bears were just like choking it away needlessly. Yeah. Still still mad about that one. God, I'm gonna, at some point I have to look up who. But yeah, but like, I, but, I, but I do remember it's like th- this. This is kind of the thing is, uh, you know, if if. If this front office is as good as they think they are, cool. Like, absolutely. If you if you want to, like, if this team can somehow convert into being uh, as consistent a product as something like the Steelers or the Ravens or something or look, like or, that. Or, 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 or granted, look at the Packers, right? They win yeah. one Super Bowl, right? Uh, if you just think about, like, the, you know, yeah. if we just actually think of the Bears through the lens of the team that constantly humiliates us is – they won one Super Bowl for a franchise with the talent of Aaron Rodgers, uh, and folks like Devontae Adams and lots of other talents that come through that come through that franchise in the last like 10, 15 years. They should have won three, three, probably. I would like say that's, they should have at least won one more, maybe two. And yeah. and at least been in. Like let's say maybe they didn't win three. They should have been in, in three Super Bowls. And they're gonna end up having won one and gotten to the NFC championship game. I don't know what the count is, but it, like they've gotten they've gotten there the past two years, and then they were there the year with the Bears and the Packers, and then obviously were there. Um, I think they might be there another year, but like that's a good run, right? Like I would take that, like over a oh, fifteen yeah. year span, one Super Bowl, and then constantly knocking at the door and falling short. That sounds fucking awesome. And and those fans got to enjoy a ton of fun games in like November and December of all yes. those years, where just like wild shit is happening uh constantly you were never you this is the first time i've watched packers fans look at like tankathon.com and being like gosh i wish aaron Rodgers wasn't playing this sunday just for his own pride let's just see what jordan love is to see what next season might be um so you know it's it's wild i i next sunday is gonna be miserable because he rogers seems to be playing only out of spite uh because he knows that the Bears essentially don't even have a defense at this point. They don't have another side of the ball. I expect yep. at this point Justin Fields will play. I think he is going to look at this as a cha- like an opportunity to pull off a miracle, and he's going to get out there and give it a shot. That worries me a lot. It's going to explode. Exactly. Like there is such there is such a nightmare yep. scenario uh, for for I mean, you know. Granted, at least this is non throwing shoulder, but it's like. Hey man, like if we draft a wide receiver and and like also a lot the bad of enough shoulder, there is no non-throwing. You know what I mean? If a bad sure. enough injury, there is no non-throwing anything because right. like it, you know after a certain point, it's all part. Like quarterbacks are like machines. Mm-hmm. This is what they talk about when they talk about like mechanics, right? Like how perfectly can the quarterback turn themselves into a machine? that like delivers accurate passes and powerful passes and like the whole body is involved in that motion. Well, even in, even Mr. Bisky, our, you know, our, our last high round draft pick, the, he was not good, but the thing he had going for him was that he actually could run pretty well. Not like Justin Fields, yeah. but 
the boy had legs and when he chose to use them, he could pull off like sometimes some pretty miraculous uh, escapes and like wait for someone to scramble open. And once he he had a couple of uh, non-throwing shoulder injuries and it was very clear in his final years in Chicago, there were moments where he could just take off and run and pick up six yards and he just wouldn't because he didn't want to get hit. And that's the kind of thing that can kill, you know, especially like a Justin yeah. Fields, where that is going to be such a huge part of his game going forward. If at a certain point you're just worried about getting not like injured for a couple of games, but like you just don't want to get hit. Like it's just going to hurt like hell because it hurt like hell the night before. Like that's 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 kind of spooky stuff that can add up yep. over time. But. You know what else probably hurts like hell, but maybe it hurts so good. Mm-hmm. Sco- like. Helping a game, helping your team score a game-winning goal. Did you watch this clip? I just, I did. It does not look comfortable. <laughs> no, Rob. I, this. So we're talking about the the U.S. Uh, versus Iran, uh, uh, the World Cup match in which the U.S. had to, they had to, they had to win. They could not. If if it was a draw, you know, a tie, then the U.S. was out of the tournament because they had drawn. Uh, on both previous games and the way the World Cup works is you have to earn a certain amount of points, zero, one, two, three, right? Zero, one, two, or whatever it is. But like, yeah. you have to earn points to like keep moving forward. And the only way for the U.S. to go to the next round was to was to win. And there is just an incredible uh, clip of uh, Christian uh, Pulisic, uh, Pulisic uh, who's, you know, one of their like really young, incredible uh, star uh, players, uh, just essentially charges like a running back to score, but charges directly into the knee of the goalie. And it's it's not an injury because it's essentially sort of an incidental contact as a result of two players doing what they're supposed to. Rob, he was down for 10, 15 well, minutes. He ended up having to go to like a hospital or, or at least I, that did not look at a trainer's table. So after the fact, so okay, so before we get to in further details of this, you how familiar are you with soccer rules? Uh reasonably? Okay, the way that you answered there makes me think maybe you're about do you know how uh offsides works in soccer? Are you that far? It's okay to say no cuz I don't. Cuz my like my I knew when I played it. It's like you can't over it's you can't overrun the ball, right? That's that's kind of the thing. You can't like run downfield and take like take a pass, right? You have to like I don't know. I could have looked this up, but I but I didn't. There there is something related to this, which if you uh Okay. Could you click on the the in the bullet point here that is what the hell is going on here? Oh god, I hate this. Okay. No, I I hate that I now I see it now. So what I've uh, linked to um, is is in I don't again speaking from ignorance I don't know if this is exclusive to the World Cup if this is in in all like major soccer games but there is a technology that determines through a camera and what we're looking at is a screenshot that looks like if you'd imagine if you see an early development footage from a from a uh, an EA sports game where like there's not many textures or just sort yeah. of like raw models like running around it looks like that. Um, and it is declared that the U.S. player is offsides. This is when USA could have gotten their second goal. It was sort of like a the equivalent of a goal ball in football. It was like a breakaway play. Yeah. It was just like shit. Like the team is caught off guard. The ball's going down. It was called offsides. And 
I mean, if you look at where the hand is of the the, the player on the other team and where the player is on, on Team USA, I mean, it is maybe that is inches, centimeters. It seems not necessarily like maybe it's the rule, but not necessarily in the spirit of the rule. But they just follow the my understanding is they the way they discussed it on TV was the camera caught it, said it's offsides. And then someone quickly verifies it through like real time footage, you know, that they can pull up and they they held it up. Um, but so anyway, this is all to say that like in this moment where uh, uh, Christian, uh, uh, pull, 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 we're going Christian. I know you watched the that. entire game. I would have no, I'm so bad with names, Rob. You've, you've done enough podcasts with me that you know this is a like strong weakness of myself. Yeah. Um, I should have written it down phonetically so that I could have I could have done it. But so uh, he also goes I down. bet my bottom dollar that that ends in a ch sound, not a k sound. <laughs> uh, I, I'm pretty sure it doesn't, uh, but I couldn't tell you anything more than that. Um, but so he goes down, and there. So there's a you know there's a moment in. I'm always surprised at this when I actually sit down to watch soccer games, which is almost always just the World Cup. But the way in which there is arbitrary time added at the ref discretion based on because well, they stoppages. don't stop the play clock. They right. don't stop the play clock, so it is not as though like in football where they'll say, "Plead add 11 seconds to the play clock" right. or whatever, or set the game clock to X time. Like it's it's a science. It's, they're exacting it. In soccer, it's sort of like I don't know. Feels like there's hey, about five minutes. Hey, we lost. Yeah, hey, Rob, how long you think that was? And and so so he goes down, and the training staff is allowed to come over, and I don't know for how long they are allowed to enact the stoppage. Um, I don't know if there's a time to that. I don't know if that is up to the Team USA because at that point they are ahead, and the longer they are, uh, you know, including the stoppage, that is more time they need to defend that point. Um, later in the game, um, when it's added to the end of like, you know, the regulation period. But so he gets up and I didn't understand this is how, this is not how I was like, just substitute, just take him out of the game and put him back in. Cause in my mind, I'm thinking of every other sport that I watch, right? Like you, you, you just like every, but soccer is like, once you get pulled, you're off, right? Like that's unless, unless you, and they were so close to the end of the first period. And then that gives you essentially a long team timeout in which you can determine whether he should go back in. And so you see him just in incredible pain on the ground. Uh, Clearly just like they're calling, you know, pelvic contusion. It really just feels like just the swiftest kick to the balls that you could possibly get. Pelvic contusion, it sounds like a medical name for just being like absolutely hammered in the groin. Just absolutely just destroyed. Putting your body before country, um, and uh, body out for your country, rather, and he's he's hobbling off to the side, and the game just continues, and because they don't want to do the substitution, because they're hoping can can they survive the next what was it like something like six minutes, or can he get good enough to just act like this will happen? And again, I always bring everything back to football, but like sometimes you'll put an injured player out there never to catch a ball. But to act purely as as a decoy. And so, like, let's say your number one wide receiver is not 100%. Well, you're not going to put him in harm's way. But you might tell him to just, like, run and know that, like, we're never going to throw you the ball. You're never going to get hit. But if you're out there, well, someone's going to have to defend you. And so, you like, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a math game. It's a numbers game. And eventually you see him, like, doing kind of the kind of the warm-up thing. 
And then like the announcers losing their mind is like, he's going out there. But every time they would pan to him, it'd just be like, but is he really out there? Like not, re- not, not really. He, he's technically on the field, but, and so that means someone has to be in a distance, uh, like relative to him, but it was, it was wild to watch. Um, um, it actually was a really exciting game. It made it, you know, at least I had a rooting interest in it as someone that like broadly doesn't follow a whole lot of, you know, soccer slash football. Um, but it was also interesting because Team USA essentially like they were the ones taking all the shots. And I couldn't tell if it was because Iran was playing what they call prevent defense is what they call in football, which is essentially, let's say the team needs to score uh, uh, a touchdown and you're going to give them enough space to throw the ball so that the time runs out and they can only kick a field goal. Um, and it sort of seemed like, is that just what Iran's doing? Because they only need to draw the game. So it's just like, okay, we'll just waste a bunch of time down here, not score any goals and just move on. Um, but I don't know. I thought it was a, a wildly entertaining uh, game. And uh, the whole the whole part where a guy got swiftly kicked uh, in the nuts was just a a very like American way for a goal for a goal to have like the beautiful game rob also known yep. as we're, we're a guy where a dude charges forward and gets kicked in the nuts and everyone everyone starts chanting usa usa <laughs> um we got a uh, a question here uh from uh maribel in argentina i didn't expect to hear y'all would be covering the world cup on the podcast covering maybe be a a very broad interpretation of what we're doing here due to the unpopular, uh, how unpopular the sport is in the U S it's made me think about how, even though I don't really follow the sport closely, uh, my country has built a culture around the sport. So even somebody like me who only cares about video games still knows the in and outs of the sport and can watch along just fine. However, when my girlfriend wanted to watch along with me, she's from the U S she said she understood the gist of what was going on, but the nuance of the plays and tie to the match was lost in her. Now it doesn't help that the first match we watched uh, was the painfully boring USA versus England that felt like I should have been paid for witnessing it. As an aside, that was wild. To w- I watched about half of it. It was like, it was, the US team was wildly outperforming expectations by no s- goals being scored because England was so fucking good. It's just like a weird wrinkle of like what is considered success in, in a soccer game. Um, uh, but when we watched the Argentina versus Mexico, she said it while she didn't completely understand it, it was leagues more interesting to watch and easier to appreciate. This is to ask, do you feel the same way as her watching the matches? Well, living on a country that doesn't have the same culture on the sport as we do, in case I'm mistaken, y'all do like and are familiar with the sport, what's your relation with the sport in relation to how the country sees it? Uh, I am curious what your relationship is to the sport. I asked that in a broader way when about how familiar you are with the rules, but do you give a shit about soccer? Does the World Cup even turn the knob for you at all? So, in the past it has, uh, in, in part because like it's it's difficult to people love it so much. Uh, it is. It's infectious. Like I see it's one of those things about Twitter that for as garbage of a server it is in so many ways, I see people losing it about soccer. And I'm like, guess I got to put it on global water cooler. Time to turn it, it off. Cause I don't yeah. know what's going on and <laughs> I don't know what to root for. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a couple things. Like I, I wish I were more into it. I, I, I love the aesthetics of it. I love that it is a game that because it, is so codified before the advent of TV. It isn't like mm. irrevocably warped the way football is by TV. Like, like soccer 
soccer is the event and things have to adapt to it. And it's so, so, so you're saying it's, it's, it's dissimilar to how football we've discussed this in the podcast before about how it alters the rules to make the product slash entertainment better, you know, like vis-a-vis offense scoring more points. And does that seem like that happens? I more mean the pace of play. I no, I more mean like commercial breaks. Honestly, okay. Like it is, it's like Olympic hockey in some Mm. ways too, right? Where it is the uh, the pace of play changes so much when you have a sport where the action like basically never really stops. Uh, That like as long as the half is on, like we are staying on that. And you know, football has such a a chopped up pace. I think it makes like mediocre football games more painful because it's like. Oh, now we're going to go back to see the same five commercials and then we see a bit more like crap football. And it's like we can just keep moving, keep it. Moving. It's actually why I know this was an innovation just meant to shove more commercials down our face. But those times when you get the commercial break, that is just the commercial in the corner. And you're like, oh, thank God. Just show it to me in the corner while the while like the announcers are still talking. And like I can at least see the field as opposed to cutting to whatever yeah. Burger King's jingle is for this month. Oh, man, that Burger King jingle. Uh, I want to find whoever did that. And it's in my head. It's I, in my head. I hate yeah. it. <laughs> but yeah, so I, like I I want to be more into soccer, but I the, the problem for me is ultimately that I can't see the plays. I cannot see the tactics teams are employing mm-hmm. and the things they are setting up. I got to that point where I could kind of see that with hockey. I can't really see it with basketball, but basketball is so entertaining. It doesn't really matter, right? Like that star. It player, looks aesthetically beautiful to me to just watch like the swiftness of a ball. I feel like probably the closest you and I are getting to understanding why soccer is beautiful to so many is actually through basketball as opposed to fo- football, right? Like I think there's a lot of similarities into how the ball is passed around in basketball that while the sports are obviously different in so many ways, evokes the same sort of feeling um and in a different way yeah so i mean that's that but ultimately that that really is the hurdle for me with soccer is that because i can't see the plays i often can't really appreciate i i don't have a strong sense of there being building drama like obviously when someone breaks away and is like uh you know gotten past successive lines of defenders and is now uh you know running downfield obviously that that translates but for instance a game like USA England where you've got these sort of you know what I would call like trap defenses in in hockey that stuff is hard for me to appreciate and it's hard for me to see like what the teams are trying to to do because ultimately what it looks like is a lot of ineffectual play right it 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 looks an awful lot like uh nothing is nothing is really happening and so I tend to be in that place with soccer and and in previous World Cups, I have gotten over that hurdle uh, and and enjoyed the game uh, quite a bit more. But this one was harder, was a bigger hurdle for me, I think, because in part, <laughs> this World Cup was so comically corrupt mm-hmm. uh, from from the beginning that you know, and it's it's kind of yeah, I understand it's fully rich to be talking about this when week after week I'm like I love football. But I do think like football stadiums are not built on the bones of like recently, like <laughs> like the mass graves of like recently killed workers. Right. Right. And, and, like, and, and, and which based on which estimate you look at ranges anywhere from the low thousands to somewhere like 10,000, depending on like the various estimates I've seen from different 
human rights organizations. I mean, it's like truly like there is a mass grave built on the backs of these, I think, eight, seven or eight stadiums that are likely to be used for absolutely fucking nothing when this is over. Well, I I think Qatar certainly thinks that it's going to be a sporting destination. Uh, I I think they think they're going to bring world class sporting events there on the on the regular. They, you know, F1 isn't there this year because of uh, the World Cup, but I believe they're supposed to be going back, uh, you know, in in subsequent years. But but yeah, so it's like with that in the background. It was really tough to get into the spirit because because I'm not already I'm not already bought in. And then the backdrop for it is just such an egregiously corrupt thing that is it's kind of like they're going to get away with it because this is a thing that is globally beloved and brings so much joy to people. And the most evil fuckers in the world have control of it. So I, I haven't I've uh, just because so. I, I subscribed to YouTube TV. I started getting that as a part of like what I like the main time I don't watch sports is in the fall, right? Like I want to watch football, early parts of basketball before the, the bulls are no fun and irrelevant. Um, and so uh, for the, the world cup, you can choose between Fox and Telemundo. And I haven't, I keep meaning to go over to the Telemundo broadcast because I've been reading online that like, they've done a much better job of being like, ha 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 ha. This is pretty weird. Like, like acknowledge some of the weirdness of what's going on and like some of what like has happened in the process of like building this, the corruption surrounding it. I don't know how outright specific they've been in like outlining, like I don't think they're doing like a PowerPoint presentation, uh, but they've at least acknowledged in the act of, you know, commentating on the sport that there is something else going on. And related to that point um, as someone that like, again, like jumped on the bandwagon partially because I wanted to talk about it here, partially because I saw sports Twitter getting excited about it. On some level, like especially given what's going on with the political protests in Iran and how much sort of like drama there was around this team, the very public and frankly dangerous sort of like acts of public protest they've been doing alongside like being here and speaking out against their government. Uh, I was like, look, man. Like, maybe they should just have this. Like, it's fine. Like, what the fuck do, 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 do I, as an American citizen, need this team to beat, like, Iran? Like, in I just don't. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm not. There are times where the Bears bum me out, and it's because I'm too invested. I don't need this. Like, well, they, in a USA-Iran game, I'm rooting for Iran. Like, exactly. That's just, right. That, that's just, it's it's like USA versus Cuba. It is like a country <laughs> we've done nothing but egregiously <laughs> fuck with. I know. Uh, for for no good reason and in the meantime like this team has also like made its own sorry the iranian team has Mm -hmm. made its own gestures of protest absolutely uh, knowing that there's good chance there's gonna be consequences for that when the jet lands back it back home right there are are hundreds like you know i was just you know looking it up now like upwards of at least 300 as many as like 500 people dead as these protests have been going on for months like you're putting yourself in a very real bullseye to have done that on a public stage. Uh, and so, I mean, that's what I kind of like it was in my heart of hearts. I like, man, yeah, let, let them, let them win. Like let them continue to be elevated on this stage. Um, and so as much as it was fun to be part of the rah, rah, yeah. you know, USA, it was sort of like a win, win for me. I was like, I, you know, I'd frankly just give it to them. Uh, but well, especially uh, like USA national team sports 
like will have years of infrastructure built out around them to like right. make them globally competitive. Uh, you know, my suspicion is, you know, the Iranian national team doesn't have anything like that infrastructure right. and the play. And most importantly, uh, a lot of their players, my guess would be, do not have like the overseas league experience that a lot of players on a national men's team would uh, in like Europe or, or the U S. So, you know, that's something that's, yeah, it is, it's, there are places where like that kind of nationalism is going to be hard for me to get with. Now, if it's like USA versus Netherlands or something, then fuck it. Uh, send those little <laughs> bastards straight to hell. But if it's but like, yeah, you US USA versus Iran, that's going to be, that's going to be tougher. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, have a short think about what the sanctions the U S has done over the decades to Iran. Like, Hmm, maybe take, maybe take the world cup win and tell, tell us to fuck off. Well, uh, and this thing, like, right, like Wales, like gets completely like, <laughs> like washed at this World Cup, and England is c- kind of thriving, right? It's <laughs> it's like, boo, where's the goddamn justice? <laughs> not well, you know what? As as you were making your point, you know, not here at the World Cup, justice, not necessarily uh, the mo number one. Um, the other thing I have to, oh, there, there are a couple other points I wanted to make. One. Uh, I just read about this right before uh, the podcast. Wait, I just clicked on a link and I'm seeing things that don't make sense. (laughs) Okay, so uh, this comes from uh, an article on a a Substack uh, uh, called Power Plays uh, by Lindsey Gibbs. Um, There was a bunch of money at stake for the women's national team because. uh, uh, All right, so I'm just going to read. I'm going to just read from this from from Lindsey's piece. Um. Today, well, so this is written before the the um uh the, the uh match actually happened. So hooray for uh the women's national team as well, financially speaking. So today, there's at least 1.8 million on the line for players of the women's national team. That's because when U.S. Soccer and the U.S. Women's National Team reached their historic equal pay agreement earlier this year, it came in the form of a joint collective bargaining agreement between U.S. Soccer, the U.S. Women's National Team, and the U.S. Men's National Team. And that CBA specified that prize money for the U.S. teams at the men's and women's World Cups will be pooled together and split evenly between the two teams. Let me uh, get uh, scroll down a little bit more. Um, so here are like some of the numbers that are are, are, are wild. Uh, uh, th- when the U.S., uh, when the women's team won the 2015 Women's World Cup, they won $2 million in total. When the team won the 2019 Women's World uh, Cup, and we should say like for all the brouhaha over like uh, – this World Cup with the wins uh, with like the men's team, like the women's team has like consistently been so much. Be- if you want to root for a team, yeah. like the women's team has been so much better over the past uh, uh, over the recent years. Anyway, when they won the 2019 World Cup, that amount was doubled to four million. Uh, and to quote again from the article, so to do some more back than epic math, if the the women's team, if the men's team wins today and loses in the round of 16, they took them 13 million. That would mean a payout of 6.5 million to the women's team for a U.S. soccer take as a 10 percent cup. Uh, which is more than the women earned by winning the last two women's World Cups combined. Some of these numbers are wild. The total prize money in the 2022 20, uh, Men's World Cup is $440 million, up from $400 million in 2018, because the World Cup happens every four years. The 2019 World, uh, Women's World Cup has a total prize uh, money pot of $30 million, up from $15 million in 2015. The prize money for the 2023 Women's World Cup has not officially been announced yet. If it continues the trend in doubles, that would put it at $60 million, a $30 million increase from 2019. That would widen the gap between men and women's World Cups, considering FIFA increased the men's World Cup prize money by $40 million from 2018 to 2020. 
And so it is just, I had no idea of like this connective tissue between the two teams, but like the notion of on, on one hand, you're sitting around and you're not, you know, your irrational nationalism takes over to root for a team, but also for these clearly like broadly more talented group of players that have been busting their ass to know that they're going to make more money than what they've done for their own achievements. If the men's team just makes it one more round is like a, is fucking wild to discover. <laughs> uh, and then the, uh, the last one was, Oh, this also happened not when the U S player went down, but this fucking spray you yes, seen the so this spray? Is the thing I was wondering about. It's like, if you click the video that is yeah. in the link, like what? I don't. What is in this rare enigmatic aerosol? Does it contain rare ingredients from a faraway land? Is it a magic trick? This is from the 18.com. It sure looks like it'll be just fog and sleight of hand. The anticipation is killing me. Cue drum roll. First, it's important to note that not all canes are created equal. Some first aid sprays may contain a tincture of benzoin a resin that makes a sticky surface on sweaty skin in order to better police bandages others might hold nothing more than cold water a spritzer of hgo h2o can go a long way to reinvigorate in a, an overheated athlete however the can of magic spray we've come to known know and love for its injury healing abilities typically oh contains God. one or more quote skin refrigerants these chemicals such as ethyl chloride act as a temporary anesthetic they are a quick fix in their ability to numb an area for a few minutes but do not provide any long-lasting relief. What? <laughs> so essentially, you see like a player go down with like a horrific knee injury. They spray it with like something that looks like it's in a... There's a picture of a, a guy getting his ass blasted. Like, <laughs> it is, I know. There's a, there's a man standing over a man's ass, like a guy changing a tire, just <laughs> blasting it with like fog. Uh, I... So... Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm sure some of the stuff works. And as the article notes, like probably a big part of it is just a bit of placebo effect. Like, hey, you're mm -hmm. getting somebody's coming to care for you, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, like, it does seem like at best kind of what this is, is like, so we all know we can't just run up to dudes and inject them with cortisone <laughs> anymore. We can't just give them. We can't just give them steroid and painkiller cocktails anymore. Well, they can, and they can't go to the locker room, right? They can do that in like the NFL. It's super common for a player to like leave for a series, go get a shot in their back, come out and gut their way through the end of a game. Also, either pumped full of legal painkillers. Yeah, but here, yeah, we're just gonna give you a really <laughs> pleasing <laughs> bath. I want to get the equivalent of a fire extinguisher and shove it over by your ass where you just got topical kicked by the player. And, yeah, that's incredible. Incredible. <gasps> uh, it looks like something from a video game. And obviously, again, not having watched enough games, just hadn't seen this before. It happened in the middle of uh, uh, the, the USA-Iran uh, game where not to a USA player – but because maybe they can you not do that for a pelvic. So this this thumbnail that we're looking at in the in the in the article that I linked you to, like you said, there's someone getting sprayed 
like in the butt region like can they not do the same in the front? Is it not? Could you? Can they not have pulled his pants open and spray spray? I don't know. That stuff just... works. I hit there. I'm gonna be like one of those dumbasses, like tucking a gun into my waist belt, like just absolutely. Uh, although I guess it could be. It might come out at such a cold temperature, like maybe you like don't. Want you might to do cause that some other issues. Skin yeah. is more sensitive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, all right, last question uh, here about the the World Cup and this game. As an American. Uh, I find uh, the most alien aspect of soccer is the time management. The sports I know the best hinge on precise timekeeping timekeeping and management. Buzzer beaters in basketball and two-minute drills in football are incredibly exciting. On the other hand, soccer matches ending basically when an official decides it's over <laughs> is wild to me. Doesn't the losing team want to maximize their chances of getting an equalizer? What are your thoughts on this? Am I overthinking it? I have to say... I agree with that observation every time that I do the four year World Cup is um, and it's also the fact that they don't put like a countdown timer on like this, you know, like the the interface because there isn't an exact. It's no, just but like, they put the plus time on it. They do the plus, but you got to do math. I mean, like, I just feels like sort of weird. We're like, I'm so used to getting exact data on what's happening. And it's like, no, just like plus five, figure it out. Yeah, that part of it is a bit like uh, soccer does not lend itself to the to the to the buzzer beater moment, uh, no. which is uh, yeah unfortunate. Um, uh, a couple of things that are uh, happening uh, around uh, the NFL uh, this week uh, that are ex- extremely notable. Uh, I don't know where do you you can you can just choose your own uh, destination, Rob. Do you? Want to talk about the depressing news that Deshaun Watson will be returning to our television screens on Sunday? Do you want to talk about what the fuck is going on with the Broncos and Russell Wilson, a quarterback who they, if they cut next season just out of spite, would be $100 million in dead cap money, um, essentially the vast majority of their cap. Can you explain what dead cap is? Dead cap uh, is essentially uh, when it's money you have to pay a player, um, despite the fact that they are no longer on the team. But you cannot use that money to pay a new player. Um, and so it is just it's still counting against your salary cap, even though that person correct. is now gone. So correct. they don't give you a I am just going to eat the losses, but since that player isn't there, my roster costs only X. Correct. Like the position they, is no, 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 no. You still built that roster with Russell Wilson on it. It is not yeah. anyone else's problem that Russell now sucks. <laughs> there was a, I saw there was a tweet today from Probably some desperate Broncos fan that uh, was like, hey, he's gotten paid a lot of money over the years. And he's getting a lot of money from the Broncos. Wouldn't the right thing for Russell Wilson, a player really struggling right now, wouldn't the right thing for him to do to come to the team and say, hey, I'm willing to renegotiate my contract and take less money? (laughs) I love every time this comes up, like, hey, Ben Simmons, that max extension, you know you didn't earn that. Wouldn't the right thing to do be like, nope, nobody made you sign it. Nobody made you do this deal Uh, like this is. So uh, if 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 you get welcome to Wrexham pilled, you should also check out Sunderland till I die where it is not majorly featured. I think because in part because the dude the center's on didn't want to be featured in this way. But basically they had this one player that was really expensive that they'd signed as like and this guy's going to be a pillar of the team. Got hurt, chronic injuries, never like never even got rehab to a place where he went back on the pitch. Mm. And he was like most of their their payroll. 
And eventually they were just pleading with him, like, couldn't you maybe not make us pay you? And he was like, no, no, I'm going to take the value of my contract. Oh, wow. Um, So, yeah. And and so and so that's the thing. Like, it's. (sighs) There were. There were a lot of warning signs. Well, you know, this is this is kind of the thing. Um, you know, there was so much strife in Seattle for years. There's indications that certainly Pete Carroll was kind of fed up with Russell Wilson. You could, you, you know, relationships go sour and such. But like there were there was there was evidence to to really question how much value Russell Wilson still had to bring to a team. And I loved watching Russell in his oh, prime. He was such a, the, there, a fun player. There was never. Few things more fun than watching him. He wasn't a runner per se, but he he was kind of an escape artist. And when he would kind of escape out of the pocket, like kind of do his half circle to the right or left, and he'd launch just the most beautiful deep ball, like where the camera's got to pan out, like it can't fit it in the frame. And you know, he was going to hit it. Like he would just launch these passes, and it was so much fun. To watch, and that has been less fun. It over has the not years. been fun for two or three years. No, and I would say, you know, in the last couple of years, there was a lot of, you know, you could see that there were just weapons he used to have that made his whole game work that he no longer had access to, and so the decision the Broncos made, which was to kind of, it's weird, like franchises, it's almost like legends form, like it's like past past successes inform how they think about building success in the future. Like for instance, the bears generally have an overweening fixation on the linebacker position, even Mm -hmm. though you really shouldn't in the NFL, like (laughs) the like bears have good linebackers. This is just foundational to the team that may not be the case anymore, but for a long time, like this is how, like one of the things one one team successful creates an identity and then, your inability to produce a better team more broadly f- almost forces this reflexive back on the linebacker, back on the defense position. Right. So, well, that's what the fans want. And it's like, well, no, it's just because that's and just so, what like, you keep doing. You know, Broncos, that last Super Bowl with Elway was, does the old man ha- still have magic left? In Manning, him? Manning, Manning. No, no, no. The last oh. Elway Super oh, Bowl. Oh, 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 okay. All right. So like it was not as bad as the Manning Super Bowl. Okay. It was not as bad as uh, <laughs> that year. But a noodle like, for an arm? No, like Elway did. He still had a good year that year, but like it was, yes, it was, it was, it was sunset, right? It was, it was, mm-hmm. it was time uh, for for him. Manning, yes, we saw them win a Super Bowl on the back of a guy who, like, he's real smart. There's nothing left in the tank, but he's not going to give the game away when we have a legendary defense. It's going to be fine. I got to see a Bears game that year. Yeah. I was in um, the nosebleed seats of uh, Soldier Field um, because we just bought tickets right before um, and they were cheap. They, it was obviously the Bears were playing the Broncos. Uh, and but our thought was uh, when we bought them like a week before, like we'll get to see Jay Cutler and we'll get to, who I'd never seen in person play. Uh, and cause every time, other time I'd gone, there'd been like weird backups or something else. Uh, and then I'll get to see Peyton Manning, like bears are going to lose, but like, that sounds, that sounds fun. Well, Jay Cutler gets injured. Can't remember for what reason Peyton Manning. This was during the period of that season where they benched him for a couple of games for, uh, Bre- Osweiler. What is, what was his first name? Brock. Brett. 
Brock Osweiler, um, a, a player who was later traded to the Browns from the Texans, essentially in like a cost eating draft pick sale sort of thing. Very go Google it. It's his the end of his career is, is fucking wild. He just becomes like a financial chip uh, uh, at, at the end of it. Um, and so I didn't get to play, watch Cutler play. Didn't get to watch Manning play. Instead, I just watched Brock Osweiler beat the Bears while it was like, I mean, this wasn't just cold. It was like, you, like your balls are frozen. Like it is like yeah. three degrees out. And the first thing one of my buddies did, we got, we were literally not when I say like nosebleeds, I mean, literally the last yeah. seat in in soldier field you're basically at the top uh, of the bowl looking out over the apps apps absolutely and um we'd gotten our big beers because we didn't want to go back down so we got like the biggest one we could get and my buddy just proceeds to fumble his beer and just (laughs) spill three-fourths of it all over the person in front of them thankfully thankfully it was like just over the back of their coat so it mostly caught like the like the hoodie part and it didn't like go all the way down their back they looked around, had good cheer about it because I, I was we're going to get in a fight like and we deserve it. We deserve to get punched like I didn't do anything, but I'm complicit in being next to this. You got that. You feel shit. that Coliseum terror. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Like- yes. They turned around. I was like, I hey, in 15 minutes, I will go down and get you another beer. Covered it. We were good. Um. Anyway, that was just my side note of, of yeah. not being able to so- see. Even a shitty Peyton Manning that season. But yeah, so so like, I, and I feel like they tried to repeat that formula of like, we are going to get the last, uh, you know, we're we're squeeze the last of the juice uh, mm-hmm. out of Russell out of Russell Wilson, but there just there just wasn't that juice left. Um, no, and and like it was evident from the start of the season, like his arm looks done. Uh, you know, which is when he won't run either. No, no. Uh, so like, and so much now in the modern NFL. You don't necessarily need to be like the most dynamic dual threat, but you do need to be somewhat credible that like Mm -hmm. if you're flush from the pocket, you might bust a run for a first down. You need to sort of retain that that threat and he doesn't really have it anymore. And his passes, you know, you can time with a sundial at this point. Like it's just there's no zip on them at all. And so you know, he now needs much, much wider windows to throw into uh, wider than you really get in the NFL. So it's it, it's grim. It's it's not working. And but like the prospect of a Broncos fan is so like, yes, the, the team itself is grim, but they gave away two first round draft picks. They did not have to sign into a mega contract. I'm sure frequently what happens in these and it wasn't like it was a sign like a sign and trade or like they did it immediately. They did it after the trade had occurred. I'm sure they had told Russell Wilson, Hey, we're going to trade for you and then sign you to a long, a new long-term deal. But he had, I think two years left on his contract at like pretty normal pay for at that time was like a lower top 10 quarterback, you know, uh, depending on how he was week to week. Uh, they're now locked into like giving up all these, like Seattle has been a, 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 like a real surprise story. I mean, they're kind yeah. of falling off just like the Giants were like, hey, you could only sustain the magic for so long. You're probably only going to win seven or eight games. That's fine. Um, but not only are they going to have the, the Seahawks, I mean, like a pretty decent like mid-round pick. They also are going to get 
the Broncos have won three games. Like the Bears, who have z- like zero going on other than Justin Fields, like have the second pick in the draft at the moment. And the Broncos are picking third. And the Seahawks get that pick like from the Broncos. And so I'd be so curious. Feel free to write in if you're a Broncos fan. Like, just like, I don't even know how to process. There's being bad and there's always next year, right? Where, okay, here are the moves we could theoretically make. We were doing this during the Trubisky area of the Bears. Like, we almost traded for Russell Wilson. We almost, like, the their their GM is the only one that turned down a mega deal where Russell Wilson could have been on our team last year. And when you lose the prospect of it being even good next year, where you're staring down two, three years of a team just being abysmal before you can do anything about it, I don't know. That's 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 dark. I cannot I I you know, when you lose even the prospect of the next year, maybe we can put it together. And of course they've got Nathaniel Hackett, who's just a God awful one and done quarterback. Maybe Wilson could be slightly better with somebody else. I I don't know that that gets them all that many more wins, but just a bleak, just a bleak prospect as a Broncos fan. I like I actually feel bad for anyone that like came it in, came into the season thinking, "Fuck yes, all that we're missing is a guy who can just throw the ball decently well." And not only to get that, we got a guy who's been in the Super Bowl multiple times understands how to lead it. He's a little weird, but it's fine. And instead they have just this husk who can't do anything and is on the books for hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Just it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, And I don't know, like it is possible that with better offensive minds around him, maybe there is something left there that you could salvage. But yes, to me, it, it just looks like there's hardly a backup in the league that I don't think like would like there's hardly a backup in the league. I think that would fail to do better uh, in part because like just, they tend to be younger. They tend to have like, they may not make great decisions. They may not have like the best, most accurate throwing arms, but they're probably better athletes than he is at this point in a lot of cases. And they, they can put more on the ball uh, mm-hmm. than he can. And it is, yeah, I don't, I like, yeah, you're staring down. The hole is so deep because that contract is truly the abyss. That yeah. that is the abyss. And um, you gave and you traded away your future with those picks. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I mean, but just, that, but like, and that deal is not as is, like. Here's the weird thing: that might be the worst deal in football, and it um, could get worse because of <laughs> probably exactly what you're about to mention. Well, this may end up still looking like a great football deal, but it is the darkest deal. In yeah. football, right? Which is, uh, you know, we've it, it, the time has come. Uh, Deshaun Watson is going to be playing for the Browns. And it, it kind of struck me. It's, it's actually struck me both the last couple of times I watched the Browns play. How different the vibe would be if this dude and all his baggage around those uh, that endless cavalcade of like assault and harassment allegations uh, surrounding this guy, uh, you know, looking up, uh, you know, trying to find masseuses on Instagram, uh, you know, to, to, uh, you know, treat him as on his travels around the NFL. Uh, The fact that apparently I think there was a rumor, like not a rumor, but like the Texans legal department drafted like an NDA for him to use. Like there was implications. Mm -hmm. They knew 
something really dangerous was going on with this guy and like try to create a liability shield around him. Uh, but the Browns gave him the keys to the city to get him there. He got the, he got a contract that's so big it is distorting the quarterback market, right? Like the, the word is like one of the things that uh, Lamar Jackson is kind of heated about is in terms of value to his franchise, he should be the, maybe the best compensated player in the NFL quarterback in the NFL, maybe at least one of, uh, but you have the Deshaun Watson deal hanging over it. Which is, which is like for, for, you know, for folks who are, you know, it's been, it's been a minute. It's a fully guaranteed contract and there has not been a fully guaranteed quarterback contract since then. And actually I feel the, the NFLPA who, you know, kind of stuck in a weird position here. And like, like many unions can get even, you know, unions acting good faith uh, are forced to fight on the behalf of even a player like Deshaun Watson. Like, but I believe there's been discussions that there has been collusion amongst NFL owners to essentially like look at that co- that contract and go, nope, it doesn't exist. We're just going to pretend that is not a standard being set for the rest of the league because if suddenly we were doing all guaranteed like max contracts, uh, that is not financially viable even for as much as the NFL brings in. Or right. they just well, don't want to be. Just, it's just not, and it's not a viable. Like, I, I don't think that's one of those cases where it doesn't necessarily, I mean, I'm sure it's been talked about, but it's one of those things you don't necessarily need to say there's collusion going on. It's a contract that is so risky that like a front office wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do no. that deal. Um, yeah. Even like, even if you had a quarterback, like, I don't think Patrick Mahomes gets that deal because, again, football is a game with a lot of risk and vagary, vagaries. Mm-hmm. And so even if somehow Mahomes was somehow available on the market right now, I don't know that anyone does it, but they did it with Deshaun Watson. It was like their devil's pact to be like we were going to like we have built this thing to compete. Mayfield didn't pan out at all. And we are now going to put uh, like an elite quarterback at the center of it. And we do not care about the about the assault and the last couple times i watched this team i just couldn't help but think what a feel-good story it would be if he weren't in the picture like they're playing fun football they're a good team cleveland is an easy town to love in sports uh jacoby Brissett is a is a fun-ass quarterback he has such a great he's you know he's been let down game after game by a defense that used to be vaunted the last couple of years. Miles Garrett, you know, is obviously excellent on that team, but that defense is like essentially fallen. The bottom's kind of fallen out on them in a way that I have not watched enough of their games to quite explain. But the reason they have only won, I think, four games uh, is not Jacoby Brissett's fault. Uh, he's not an incredible quarterback, but he's good enough to be serviceable. And uh, and also like the way they just won against uh, oh who did they play this oh, week God. the, the, uh, the, oh, the Bucks. Bucks the Bucks the it Bucks was a great the Bucks. game and, I watched yeah and and the Bucks the previous uh, game won on a final like a very a quintessential Tom Brady like forty five seconds on the clock gets down scores the touchdown for the win and after the game in the in the post game press conference Tom Brady said like that felt really fucking good and then. The incredible moment with Jacoby Brissett being asked when he does the exact same thing with the Browns. And I was like, how did you, you know, how did you feel? I was like, 
doing that against the Bucks. Well, to quote Tom Brady, that felt pretty fucking good. And I was like, oh, good for you, Jacoby Reset. Yeah. Like, how could you not love that? And like, I... So the funny thing is, you'd already feel the infographics they put up around like like Deshaun Watson are so. I wish I'd, I I wish I captured it because there was the history of Deshaun Deshaun Watson his achievements in in Houston mm-hmm. twenty 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 one suspended for off field behavioral <laughs> issues. Uh huh. But then in the next slide, they did they did say they talk about the suspension this year, and they did at least mention like the sexual assault allegations and such. But like it is this this thing that. NFL sportscasters tend to just move past these things very quickly. Uh, and in part, because after a certain point, games happening in front of you, you got to call right. it. You can't be right. saying, and and uh, Watson drops back and and remember, uh, you know, we're, you can't on, do that we're, on, we're, we're on number seven of the 20 something accusers. We'll get to the next one after this commercial break. Yeah. So at a certain point, like it's just like, it, and, and ultimately like, you know, as as is so often the case, it's not a sportscaster's job necessarily to deliver justice for these things. Ultimately, it is our our shitty legal system uh, that or the league, right? Like some combination of of these factors to have at least given the sportscasters a like it, what is the justice that was rendered, yeah. and then they will communicate it. And at some point, that like you said, they just have to. Well, the league already the did sort of step in and be like, whoa, well, hold on. We need to like, you know, right. We do need to slow, slow everyone's role here. Uh, but yeah, he's he's back. And the thing that I was not aware of this, but I heard um, uh, on the right time, uh, Dominic Foxworth and Bamani Jones were talking about. And I had not considered this dimension of it. But the like vile misogynists have shown up to support Watson. And it's sort of like the things the depth trial uh, mm-hmm. like brought out. It's a similar kind of thing where him just being there and he's such a lightning rod for this stuff. You're going to see some of the worst fucking people uh, like showing up to these games and like holding up their signs and like, you know, I you didn't see, some see of this it, with Kyrie Irving. People bring massage tables to like oh, into the stands. Jesus Christ! You could imagine that happening in the in the parking lot when people are um, right in tailgating. Tailgating, yeah. So this is this is the other dynamic of this is it's like like I think there's a possibility where the worst thing is not going to be you know oh, you're watching Deshaun Watson out there playing again. The worst thing is going to be the fact that he is playing out there is going to be treated like such a victory by some of the people who are going to show up to support him. And that's good. Like, this is the thing that could real, like, I think could really change the tenor around Brown's games is that, you know, I'm sure like the, the sports cast will try to avoid showing this stuff uh, at all costs, but like, you know, you see how easy it is to uncork this stuff. Um, You know, like there are, you know, we've been seeing this now since Gamergate and before, how many people are latent violent misogynists who just need to sense an opportunity to sort of assert their view of what the proper order of things should be. And Watson getting this deal and not being like held to any kind of account for this has become one of those moments. And 
you know, we've been able to sort of ignore it for 11 weeks or so. It's going to get harder to ignore starting this coming week. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the most convenient thing possible would be that he's been away from the game for two years and he sucks, but he was an extremely talented quarterback two years ago. And there's a very real possibility that sure there's some rust, but that, you know, a game or two from now, all of a sudden it's very easy to remember why a team would hand over a fully guaranteed contract, even to a guy that was accused of the heinous things that he is accused of doing. And given Um, time, like, you know, Roethlisberger, a guy for whom accusations were worse. mm -hmm. Uh, you know, his valedictory lapse around the NFL. Nobody talked about that. No. You win, give it enough time. Yeah. The, those two, those, those two move along for far enough and everything else figures it out. But I will say, like, I have a lot of Browns fans in my life uh, uh, due to some family in that area. And I mean, everyone is. Well, I will be curious to see how they respond if they start winning. Right. Like, they're not going to make it to the playoffs, but let's say. You know, they string off, you know, three or four, five impressive wins toward down the stretch here. I'll be curious to see how those people are singing a different tune. Um, Not to like throw my own family under the bus, but it's just it's a lot easier to say this is an awful this is an awful thing they did before he's throwing, you know, passes down the field and you're winning by 25 points and like beating up on teams. Yeah, right? like when they when they beat the Steelers. Are you also still going to feel like fuck Deshaun Watson like that? And, and I don't say that to be purely judgmental. I think that is a, an extremely, you know, part of the reason we started this podcast was about the complications of fandom yeah. and the sacrifices you make ethically, morally to root for a team that you may have regional and familial reasons right. are, to be interested are in. Are you going to what make the decision you, that the Browns front office took your team away from you when they did right. this? You know, I. I understand how you would get to both sides of that, right? Where it's yeah. like, I'm still, I like, I still watch this team. I don't watch it for that guy, but I do like seeing this team win. And that's just like, this is going to be the, what am I supposed yeah. to do? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't sign the contract. I didn't, I didn't ask for this. I just like to watch the team throw the football. Yeah. Um, and that is a, that is an, that is an interesting thing for fans to work out and i especially you know i don't know when we might not be doing another one of these until after the first of the year based on our like schedule we've mapped out by the time we come back we'll be looking at like the playoff picture for the nfl and we'll have a couple of games of of watson under our belt but uh i'm super curious to see what the landscape uh of that looks like i but you know i think ultimately like you know, I, I don't think we'll be lucky enough to see he comes back. He sucks and the whole deal. But like, <laughs> no. I do think what is most likely is he has been away. He's not an old player, but, but he's not a super young player anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what's probably most likely is he will be a very good quarterback who will struggle to remain very good uh, sooner than Brown. The Browns probably think. Like I think uh, that's, that's probably like that. That would be my guess. And so I think the weird thing is going to be, you made this like devil's bargain, and what you got was some pretty good seasons. I've heard exactly how the math works out, but I remember famously um, there was the playoff game between the Texans and the Chiefs, 
in one of the final years of of Watson um, out there. And I think, what is it? At halftime, the Chiefs were down 28 to 3. I want to say that was the score. It was something like three. Like it was, it, they were, the Texans were just beating the shit out of the Chiefs. And I loaded up, you know, whatever degenerate gambling website I was using. And I was like, ah, come on. Like, if there's any quarterback who could come back and figure this out, it's probably Mahomes. And put down like 20 bucks just as like on a lark uh, on some Saturday or Sunday, whenever the game, that playoff game was being played. And they came back and won. And I won like $220. I was like, that's that's my lasting memory is just betting against Deshaun Watson down 28-3. And he hadn't been accused of anything yet. Uh, but just, just believing that Mahomes could figure it out and uh, they did uh, so and I, I won money on it <laughs> i think in terms of like people someone people really like uh you know the other end of the spectrum uh jeff saturday coaching the coaching the colts you know you got a note here that this is looking less fun i i agree i'm not sure it looks that much less fun because of jeff saturday no, like he no, okay just he didn't cults. he didn't handle a two-minute drill well it happens like also, he you know how many court you know how many coaches fuck that up week yeah. over week it is it, it, but i think the thing was interesting and funny and I don't hold this against Jeff Saturday. It's more just, of course, what's going to happen when you make this transition is that then people were just linking to clips that were like him just, oh, yeah, just, yeah. His old, his, just laying his into coach that you don't know how to you... call a timeout. <laughs> and but the thing that really looks that looks rough is that. Well, what was Frank Rich supposed to do with this situation? Right. Like I watched that game last night and. Matt Ryan seems like, uh, you know, a fine guy, uh, you know, good teammate, like really good teammate. Like by, by probably some, should by be a backup. Yeah, because he looks we, same thing. You're talking about Russell Wilson. Guy just looks done. Uh, yeah. There's nothing on those passes. Uh, he does not. You know, it's it's also nothing is opening up for him, but like it just feels like everything is slow. Uh, for for that offense and for him, and he was just getting drilled right and left. Yeah. And when he wasn't getting drilled, he's throwing passes he shouldn't have thrown. And <laughs> you know, I didn't expect Jeff Saturday was going to show up and through good vibes and like you know all that it was it was going to turn around. But it's it, like it was so clear yesterday that you know this is the difference between real sport and 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 the Hollywood versions of this is like this is a horribly compromised roster. You could Vince Lombardi could be resurrected and like transported <laughs> to that locker room and like maybe they get a game, <laughs> get an extra win out of that and two more covers on the season. Well, and yeah, that's like, it. you know, you know, it, it raised interesting questions about like what even are the qualities of a good coach, especially if you are not a coach that is calling plays. What exact, you know, the, the ways in which we determine and hire coaches in general, it's like. Okay, but if you like you said, if you hand them a bad bad team, it's like Jeff Saturday might be looking around, and be like, you know, like, but what if the team just has bad vibes? Like, this is my is this this is my fault, or you know, I could be the leader of men, but but then the uh, weird you know, thing is, like, what if the men have bad vibes? But what if the weird thing is too? The reason it's got to be a guy like Jeff Saturday is because Ursay believes in him, and so there's things that a Jeff Saturday can now say managing up. That he wasn't taking from Frank Rich, and he's not clearly not taking sure. from his GM. And what if this is ends up being the weird thing that makes it work out? Is like he takes Jeff the is his son. Well, and, I mean, because we should yeah. like it, uh, it was actually it's, it's Frank Reich, but um, it's uh, Matt Ryan. You know, famously now was 
benched not because Frank Reich wanted to bench him, but because I was Jim Ursich, the New York Times columnist, was I? Uh, I think I think that might be right. I think but- once I did. I think I might have done it once, maybe <laughs> twice. But uh, uh, Matt Ryan was only benched because Jim Ursay intervened and said, "Let's play the other guy." The name of which I've now promptly Ellinger? deleted. Uh, yes, I think that is right. Good, good for you to still remember that one in your memory banks. But then, of course, hires you know Jeff Saturday, and it's like, "Hey, Jeff thinks we should put Matt Ryan out there. Let's put Matt Ryan out there." So maybe it is actually like a longer term experiment that Jeff Saturday could be a totally competent coach, but just needs Jim Ursay to like, shut the fuck up and like, go, go away. And that maybe him and the GM could figure out some, some path forward. And there is like, okay, so here's my closest parallel for what I think my, why I think this might work. So hit me, uh, my high school journalism teacher slash advisor. So she was the one who oversaw all of us working on the paper and all that incredible teacher changed my life, changed the life of like a bunch of, you know, kids who went through that program, et cetera. Uh, all the love in the world, Mrs. Hastings. Vile fucking temper because like <laughs> when things fell behind on deadlines and schedules, which mm-hmm. it's a high school newspaper, right? It happened. Like you got a bunch of teenagers doing like one of the best damn high school newspaper uh, newspapers in the state and at times the country. Uh, and that means working a lot of late. Like it was effectively a job. I was pulling like I was in high school and I was, I was working like 30 hours a week at the newspaper sometimes. But when her mood turned. It was just like a, it was a bunker mentality and she might do wild shit, like kick us all out and be like, well, I guess we're just not publishing. We're not going to make our publishing. Done. Holy shit. Yeah, that was on the newspaper, too. And there, there were moments where we got. The opposite of inspiring speeches, but it was not. It was not no. quite that bad. Oh, dude, this this shit was like incredible, but like I was really good. I was like the vibes guy, and so I could buy us two or three hours once the mood was starting to turn. I could just buy us two or three hours to like what she want to talk about today how are we going to distract her what was your what was your what was your te- technical et- like role on the newspaper uh opinion editor and then managing editor okay i was i was uh entertainment editor and then when we had to do pitches for EIC like you had to go up and like present yourself yeah. and then i tied with this other girl stephanie and the teacher pulled us aside was like do you want to vote again or do you guys want to just like share it and i was just like it's fine let's just share it like that seems actually it seems like less work for me too i mean i enjoyed doing it but it's like that seems fine like i don't need to win this <laughs> it is very weird that i ended up effectively being a man together again uh later later in my career uh again like in, in some ways like my path was pretty well set by the time mm-hmm. i was a junior in high school anyway but this this was the whole thing is like I wasn't the most responsible. Obviously, I wasn't going to be the most responsible editor in in the room, et cetera. I was one of the better writers, but I just was not going to be a person of like, you know, it's 11 p.m. Who's going to put an issue together? I'm really that's not my talent. So why was it important that I was there? Because I could go and like chill things out and keep (laughs) things on an even keel and provide the space for everyone to be like, all right, let's take a breath. Let's regather. Here's how it's going to like, here's how it's going to play out like. You know, Keith's going to come over and explain like where we're at in the in the publishing process. And, you know, here's our plan for you. Who's got the fonts on the zip disk? (laughs) 
oh god the sheer like they're nice we had to break into the school because we forgot uh like we we forgot some of the the assets mm-hmm. on a desk and mm-hmm. we're at the, the printers and so like, you have to send your specific where the fonts yeah oh and dude so- what happened to us was um and these were the most embarrassing because ultimately like the it lied with me because i was the most technically minded on on the staff even towards the end uh the the fonts were just so finicky. You would think you had it assigned and you would have the zip disk and you you would write them. I forget exactly the process, but basically like sometimes you'd send it and then the newspaper would get printed and it would come back and just like the fonts were wrong and like a page would just yeah. be ruined. And it was just like, yeah, I also love this shit too because I feel like we were some of the last people to do old school layout stuff where like you're sitting there on the on the light table cutting. I never did that. Together. That was that was just that was just before I think when I like I was in the newspaper sophomore, junior and senior year, like sophomore was like a yeah. class junior, senior. I was in editors and my junior, senior, like they had just finished the pasting. So like they would call them paste or paste ups, I think, or something like that, like whatever it was. But like those it, we'd gone full digital by the time I had real responsibility. Yeah, uh, we we were sort of a mix of that. But but anyway, like, but like I think and also I think. Actually, this is, happens a lot in the business world is like there's some people like a lot of times middle managers are there in part because they are there to perform something for upper management, right? Mm-hmm. That they, they're they like, sorry, for whatever reason, they won't listen to the smart people on the line. They won't even listen to some of their peers, but they will listen to this guy. Mm-hmm. And so that is... And so we are going to route the necessary information through this guy so that he will he will he will speak the truth and it will make the light bulb go off. And I suspect that might be what Saturday ends up doing, because Ursa is like, I'm a football guy and I understand this team. And he does have a track record that suggests that he's also a bit of a clown, but it does seem like he is prepared. It, it does seem like he believes in Jeff Saturday in a way he does not believe in other people. Mm-hmm. And it could well be that the, the secret of this whole thing is going to be. That Jeff Saturday will be able to tell him the things that any other smart quarter coach would, but only from Saturday <laughs> is Ursay going to be like, "Damn, you're so right, bestie." <laughs> uh, well, before we get to some questions and go over the the upcoming NFL season or the NFL week, uh, I've been drinking beer and I need to go to the bathroom, and so yeah. we're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back. We get more nog. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right, we're back. Uh, thanks for folks writing in questions, both from the uh, the the form that we put out uh, once a week uh, on Twitter, uh, and then also sending in questions over email. Um, this one that comes in from Raniero is a oh, little man. long, but I I feel is really worth getting into. Dear Way Sports, over the Thanksgiving holiday, a thought popped into my head. 
Whatever happened to Johnny Manziel since I last heard of him? I feel like at this point we should have like a sort of sidebar, which is Johnny Manziel was a former quarterback for the Cleveland Browns in which he was a highly touted like first round, not quite like take number one quarterback, but was, I don't know who he played for in college, but, um, and he was a bit of a name was Johnny football, Johnny football. He was kind of a dipshit, but like a talented dipshit. Um, and I remember famously, I don't know who the Cowboys took that year, but they took a much better player, but like they, they wanted to, like they wanted to take Johnny Manziel and were like, and like they talked, uh, (laughs) what's his face, uh, uh, the, the owner out of it. Um, and Manziel comes in, it just flames out, just famously flames out. I also think he got into a bunch of trouble. Like it was a whole combination of things and it was, it added to a long list of, uh, you know, a Browns quarterback. You just raised your eyebrows. Did you just like look up something about Johnny Menzel that made you raise your eyebrows? No, hang hang on. I'm I'm uh trying to find. I remember him being drafted high. Yes, he was. He was a first round pick. I, I don't have forgotten th- that number three overall was Blake Bortles. <sighs> yeah, again, what a draft. Do did you have what the what the Cowboys picked that year? Yeah, Jerry yeah, yeah. Jones. Why uh, that's I don't know why I was forgetting that before. Yeah. So Cowboys so like, first overall. Wow. They high, they they drafted a guard first round. Okay, but that was the smart play, right? Like really, they, that was in the era where the, for a, a couple of years they had an inc- a really 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 incredible offensive line, and Jerry Jones really wanted Johnny Football, and he was convinced it was supposed to be like, wow, the Cowboys are so mature. They took the best player available instead of what Jerry Jones got excited about over the weekend. Anyway, that is all to set up this player who like, like I don't even know that they made it through his rookie contract. He was in and out of the Browns in a couple of years added to a long list of, if you Google uh, Cleveland Browns quarterback t-shirt, there are infamous t-shirts that is just all the quarterbacks. The Browns have run through uh, over the years. The bears are certainly not far off from that, but the Browns are even worse at it. Anyway, this continues. Given that I attended his alma mater during the peak of his popularity, the one thing I was physically unable to do was not hear about him during that time. So I dove into Wikipedia to see what... Texas A&M. There you go. What if any... And well, that explains the Jerry Jones part. Uh, What if anything interesting had happened to uh, to him since then? And boy, did I dive into something. I don't know if you all have heard of the fan-controlled football... Uh, But when I read uh, this is the league where Manziel is currently playing, I initially thought it was some sort of obscure indoor football league where the temperature is very carefully controlled through fancy climate cooling technology with industrial fans. Huh. That's weird, I thought. It was much weirder. Fan control football is indeed an indoor football league, but the more I read the Wikipedia section titled, quote, rules, the more my eyes widened in absolute delight as the rules got more and more unhinged. I saved the best rule for last and paraphrased them below. Real-time reactions to what this utter delight of the rules list would be appreciated. Rob, rule number one in the fan control football league. Teams play seven on seven, three men on the offensive line. <laughs> okay, that's so, some backyard football stuff. But that's yeah, like a okay. center and like kind of two guards slash tackles, right? Like essentially yeah. like a small cone. Okay. Games are two 20-minute halves with halftime lasting six minutes. Not enough time for Katy Perry to ride a lion, to be honest. <laughs> Three. 
each team has one timeout, which I guess makes sense Coach for the is two. Paradise. Because <laughs> I don't want to call him anyway. Jeff Saturday, he'd be so happy. Like, look, I don't have to call a timeout. Four, no kicking and no punting. All possessions not resulting from turnovers begin on the 10-yard line. Now, frankly, so that may sound humorous. I do think the NFL's endgame is something closer to that, that they keep legislating kick returns and punt returns to be harder and harder to accomplish much of anything, which is why a couple of years back they moved up touchbacks to the 25-yard line instead of the 20-yard line. And they not only did that, they moved where I kick from so yep. that now this is why every kicker just drills it out the back of the end zone if he wants, uh, because, you know, in part because the kickoff was the most dangerous play in football. Yep. Uh, again, like I cite this podcast all the time because it's such a good goddamn listen. But. Uh, but Money Jones podcast is great. The Foxworth Friday segments tend to be amazing, but like Foxworth used to play special teams. Uh, he's familiar mm-hmm. with that world. And one of his best bits, and I have to look up the episode, is where he talks about old school uh, special teams before they changed some rules. Where, like, as he describes it, like the special teams coach would identify who the wedge breaker was. <sighs> and if you're not familiar with this, the way they would protect the returner on a kickoff was a wedge of like three players would form to be his like lead blockers and the runner, the, the receiver uh, would, would run the ball behind them. And you want to tackle that man. You need to break the wedge. And the easiest way to break the wedge was to have someone hurl himself bodily at those three men. And remember, this is two people running at each other. It's like a fucking full speed Marvel sprint. Movie. Yeah. Full speed sprint. Yeah. And the wedge breaker would just hurl themselves at those three people. Jesus. And shatter the wedge. And then other people pour in behind and get the, you know, get the tackle. Oh, my and God. This is like this is why kickoffs were the most like dangerous place in football, because, yeah, the speed, the the dynamics, all of it was nuts. And so this is why they did try to get this stuff all out of the game. I like field possession position games. I do. I like I mm-hmm. like that a defense can be. This is how a good defense can compensate for an underwhelming offense. I think that's really important to football game balance is that, like, if your defense can get a stop and the punt only gets to go up midfield, now your offense only has to go, you know, some 20 yards to get a field goal. I also do no, like also known as the Chicago Bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've seen Let a lot of games this. that go in that way. Uh, five, instead of a coin toss, the teams play, and I quote from this email, Rock, paper, fucking scissors. <laughs> That's amazing. Rock, paper, scissors. Six, teams have access to three power-ups. Yes, they're called power-ups. A fifth down, flip the field, where the ball is moved back to the offensive team's 10-yard line, or a, quote, power play, where the opposing team must play the next play with only six players. <laughs> wow. Wow. Seven, all team rosters are reset and dispersed every week in a draft with the exception of two players who are given a franchise tag and remain on the team's roster throughout the season. Okay, I got to admit, none of that is that's, practical in the NFL, but that sounds fucking awesome. Imagine if, the, imagine if the teams just redrafted 
every it's week like based weekend, on the narrative every every day yes yes oh that sounds great eight fans vote oh my god Fans vote on all offensive plays in real time and decide the outcomes of instant replay oh reviews. God. Rule of cool. Rule of Franchise cool. tech players can be traded only with a supermajority approval in a fan vote. I have been poisoned with this knowledge, so you must be too. Teams are surprisingly owned, are owned by relatively known people. Okay, I was going to say, the only reason I've heard of this before without knowing any of the rules is because I see Greg Miller tweeting about it. Um by well-known people, including Mike Tyson, Reddit co-founder uh, Alexis Ohanian, and Greg Miller. Yes, kind of funny. It's Greg Miller. Given that players are only paid a weekly minimum of $400, oh my God, plus room and board, and must play all games from Pullman Yards in Atlanta, Georgia, are these kinds of very minor pro leagues lucrative for all involved, or are they a wacky side project? If you could create your own power-ups for football or change one rule, what would it be? Personally, I want booster pads laid on the ground and swapping the football for different shapes. Oops, your team lost the game because your opponent swapped your ball for a beach ball. A double doink should also advance the team to the Super Bowl automatically and end the game. Thank you, Reniero. You are you are speaking to my heart. I agree. That actually should not have been a deeply embarrassing moment for me, but instead what gave us a three-week uh, bye week. Um... Uh, look, I would the uh, legitimately the role, the role I would introduce to football immediately would be if a block to the back did not affect the play, who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, I am so done with watching the best plays in NFL football be called back because someone on the ob- opposite side yes. of the field just got ahead of themselves or was was careless. And it's like, ah, you know, it's got to be called back. No, stop it. I also wish, uh, and this isn't fun in the power-up way, but I wish the pass interference rule was mm-hmm. college uh, rules, which is that it just goes 20 yards. So the notion of just, like, chucking the ball 50 yards and just hoping, like, two players kind of get into it with one another and you're just hoping the, the, that the referee throws something. Okay. Again, it's fun when it happens to you. I, I, here's my, okay, here's my wacky rule. Okay. Once per half a team can substitute instead of the regular football, the fucking nerf dart. (laughs) And like, it gives you limitless range. Cause in fact, that's what that, that's what that was designed to do is just limitless range on your pass. It will, it will fly true. You know, you, you, you touch that thing. You immediately turn into twice as good a quarterback as as you were before Mm -hmm. instantly turns any quarterback in the NFL into peak Randall Cunningham. But of course, you only get to use it once. And remember, that ball that ball weighs nothing. And so if you just get unlucky with a gust of wind, it's incomplete or it's it's anybody's ball. But that would be what I introduce is like the nerf dart or something like it, where you are allowed to use basically a juiced football. Uh just once per once per like this is your play, you're pushing all your chips in. Okay, and so it's be like this is our shot for the end zone. Okay, so you're yours is on the offense. I'll pick on the defense because this came up because of the Bears having their quarterback injuries and questions on Sunday. So uh, NFL teams have something that's called the emergency quarterback, um, which is there is a quarterback and a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then there is another player who may be in college through the ball 
and or maybe they can go to like a wildcat formation where they're like snapping directly to a running back and just running the ball. I think the defense or this one of these rules should be that for one once a game, you get to say you have to use your emergency quarterback. If you get a first down, then we can switch. Then it's the rules canceled. But essentially, you have to take out your fancy quarterback, even your backup quarterback. You have to put in your emergency quarterback and run whatever plays you need to until you get a first down, and then you can go back to doing whatever you were doing before. Because I want to, I want to see, I want to see whatever emergency quarterbacks that like they're not thinking too much about. Oh, because <laughs> it is always so much fun. It's like, oh yeah, this cornerback was a high, was a quarterback in high school. Uh huh. Because he was just obviously the best athlete, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. in high school. So of course he was QB, running back, etc. Uh, yeah, and that stuff's always so much fun. Uh, <sighs> this sounds like a blast. We should go check it out. I, uh, how do we own a fan control football team? That's what I'm asking. Please write in. Let Rob and I own own a team. Hey, wait, hey, Waypoint Plus. You want to put? You want to see us put those dollars to use exploiting some <laughs> athlete labor? <laughs> You know, I look, I, do I like the fact that the person put in there that they only make four hundred dollars was room and board? No, that but makes I'm really me curious. Makes, like who who plays in it? Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, you is know, it people who know, are just love fo- like love football so much? And just it's not that they're being exploited as much as like they don't have other opportunities. This is a chance to just play football. Yeah. And you I make a little bit of money stuff and right. like and hang and hanging out and having fun. I hope it is not. This is all Johnny Manziel has left, and you know he's he's living in a super eight. I I, I hope not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, so we did this one from JB. Uh, oh, this is one that I wanted to note. Um, hello, first time, long time. Uh, Patrick, there's a NASCAR race on the streets of Chicago, July fourth weekend. Any thought or interest in going? Random from Ohio. P.S. Browns fans in Ohio hate Watson too. Uh, I am usually in Wisconsin on July 4th weekend. And so that is a terrible weekend for me to do NASCAR. Rob, as someone that became a fan of F1, does that translate to NASCAR or do no. you find that extremely boring? Uh, so in, in, in our show tough one community, there's a lot of people who are NASCAR fans and occasionally I, I dig what's going on there, but I don't like the cars. I don't like the way they handle. Uh, mm-hmm. I tend, I, I just, I don't like NASCAR that much. Uh, there, there's times that I, my heart opens to it. I would probably go see a NASCAR race on the streets of Chicago. Like yeah. that, like that, especially because those cars are actually kind of fun to watch them do road courses or street courses because they kind of, they're, they're kind of slippery. They handle weird. They're built, they're, they're really built with ovals in mind. Like, so where are they going to do it? I I should look this up because I'm trying to think where they would even do it in. Yeah. Because in in my head, it's like, well, I guess you could see F1 being on like near the lake or something like that. Um, It can't be this Chicago Speedway, Joliet, Illinois. That can't be what it is. No, NASCAR Chicago street race. Okay. I am linking this to you. Yeah. NASCAR is coming. Can you show me? Oh, proposed yep. course layout. Propose has been. Where is this? Hold on, I'm looking. Is that Millennium Park? That is. That's the fountain. Um. So oh, this is I the fountain where, like, the taste this. of Chicago takes place. Um. 
downtown. Wow, interesting. That looks like a short track. It does look like a short track. Huh. Which can be like so. There is a circuit that people love. This is, I think, this came from the Waypoint podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. The the driver who had basically done the Daytona USA thing of like let the exterior wall of the circuit just let him run the car against it to like jump several places at the end of the race. Mm-hmm. Small track races are weird uh, in in that way where you can do all kinds of crazy stuff because the speeds are low, uh, and so you can get some real. Real rough housing uh, done done in those races, but but yeah, this looks this looks like a weird one. I'm looking up tickets, but you can't just buy tickets. They are promising seating experiences. There are suites for the true VIP premium corporate. Uh, okay, thanks. That's not me. Uh, the President's Paddock Club offers our most luxurious race weekend experience. Okay, I'll click by now. I w- I would like to know what that means uh oh i mean rob it is just a cheap 3015 uh and 18 it's unlimited access to the paddock club um two nightly concerts on lakefront green uh what if i just want to okay premium hospitality clubs reserved seating uniquely positioned with access they must not be selling normal tickets yet this must all just be premium seats yeah Yeah, this one is twelve hundred dollars um, still more than I would spend on a NASCAR race. Reserved like, seats include two-day event access. Okay, this is closer to normal. And these are, these start at $415, which I guess is, is that wild? That's probably not wild, right? Like for like a race, then maybe it's not know, it totally crazy. Steep. It still feels, st- I don't know. Like my impressions have been warped by the fact that F1 ticket prices have just gone insane. In sure. The last couple of years. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah to, like yeah. we were, Daniel Dwyer had put in for like the early, early access to the Vegas race ticket sales mm-hmm. and like minimum buy in for the full race weekend was like uh, a few thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And God knows what like accommodation would have been. Uh, Oof, yeah. You know, that, that weekend. So, yeah, it's it, like, you know, it's certainly cheaper than F1 race. But, yeah, I'm probably not. I'm probably not dropping this. This kind of cash on a on a NASCAR street race at a course that looks kind of looks kind of <laughs> sketch to me. Um, unrelated to sports, but uh, uh, reminder from Salt Lake: When do you switch from beer to hard liquor? I have like a very specific. I have a very specific policy on this. It's like around ten okay. o'clock because I can't stay up past midnight. Well, it, the the question is actually okay. I, there's a little more nuance to it. Do I think I'm going to be up past midnight? So this would be like I'm around friends I haven't seen in a while. Uh, I'm in Wisconsin where like I tend to like stay out, like kind of hanging out like around a fire with my brother. I could be up to one, two in the morning. I'm probably not going to touch hard liquor. That's just not going to happen. Like it is going to be beer all the way, you know, inter- interspersed with water to make sure that I can still be up with my kids at you know, yeah. 637. When I'm at home, it is till about. Nine o'clock, like the kids go to sleep and then I switch because usually I'm watching a movie at that point. And so it's like a beer I can sort of like sip and like work my way through with like a higher uh, like a higher like, you know, uh, IPA alcohol content. And it's not like I have to sit and like sip a 
I don't know, like a nice a nice whiskey or something like that, where like I'm getting distracted coloring with the kids for for 20 minutes. So for me, it is usually around nine o'clock if I've started drinking it. Like I don't usually start before seven, um, and so it's like from seven to nine or ten, and then around ten, like I'm sitting down to watch some movie or TV show with my wife, and that is when I will then is when I will make the switch. Do you do something that specific? I drink or? what I like when I like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, do, so I was going like, to say will, that is my impression. That is my impression of you. And so I, I, I felt like that is. <laughs> yeah. I will say chances are once it is a drinking straight hard liquor, uh-huh. uh, then that is. You can't like, go that back. Is, that That's it. the one it, thing it, I'll it, say. Yeah. Like, probably not. So, But where it gets murky is. I will bounce from cocktails to beer and back again. Like, no problem. It's oh, all different. Do, I like, can't do that. Yeah, that for me, it is like I've just learned the hard way too many times. It's like I have to, I can make a pivot and then I've made I've made the pivot. I, I can't I can't go back. Um, I so for me, I think you mentioned water and this is the thing. I just don't get like one. I hardly drink anymore. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's that's the funny thing is there's sure. just so many nights where I'm like, eh, nah, I'm just I'll just have more water. It'll treat me better, right? I need to be hydrated. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, can't get thirsty. I want to sleep through the night and not wake up thirsty. Yeah, makes uh, sense. But when I'm even when I'm out, though, like, the minute you start observing the rule of, like, man, I should be smart and, like, keep drinking, like, plenty of water, mm-hmm. that just slows your intake down so much mm-hmm. that, like, for me, it just kind of doesn't matter. There's, <laughs> there's not, like... There, like, I think probably the last time I, like, have... The last couple times I've gotten well and truly, like, like plastered have been with you mm-hmm. uh in new york where like honestly the last time i was like really really drunk was that cowboys game like two years ago yep like that was that was probably the last time well, he, like, well yeah because they gave us a brown <clears throat> bag full of mystery beers <laughs> and they hated us they, they did really, hate us. look at this really co- look us. at this sports bar <clears throat> with all the sports on mute and these guys watching the game through a weird iphone app that and Patrick then they're found. bullshit they're like oh we've got brown bag <laughs> beer and we ordered it and they're like what Fuck you. It came with a shot, too, if I remember correctly. The hell with correctly. that place. That's uh, the thing, right? We called their bluff. We did. They were we like, did. oh, we're a kooky little Brooklyn-like spot. We're like an ironic sports bar. And we're like, duh, bears. Well, and they were like, the third leave. time Mitch throws a touchdown, even like I'm like I'm like pounding on the table and Rob is hiding his face. <laughs> but we won those people over because that whole bar became Bears fans by then. They did. were so happy for us. <laughs> <laughs> and people do love watching the Cowboys lose. They do love watching the Cowboys lose. Um, not quite the Cowboys losing, but we do like watching uh, the Vikings uh, lose, especially uh, as a Kirk, watching Kirk Cousins uh, crumple in uh, the bright lights. Good day from an Australian Vikings fan. Side note, Australian Vikings fan, can you please write in and explain why? Uh, I am like always so fascinated how people. This end is up Stuart from Perth. Like, r- right in. Like, are you? Uh, you know, did, did you live in America? Like, what? What exactly leads you to becoming? I'm always so curious when you're an international NFL fan. Like, is it just that you moved there or somehow became a fan? You could have r- picked anyone. You could have picked anyone. You could have done anything, <laughs> but they made him look like us. <laughs> uh, uh, longtime Kirk Cousins hater. After watching Kirk, Thielen, and uh, JJ Justin Jefferson, man, what, what a spectacular player he is. Having the Thanksgiving celebration post game, I'm finding it hard to dislike Kirk now. Is this Stockholm Syndrome? Will it take us from being bundled out of the playoffs in spectacular fashion for me to be cured? Stuart from Perth. Uh, for people that don't watch the football games on Thanksgiving, 
I don't know if it's every game, but it's at least the later games where when they win, the team comes down and is forced to like have a commentator tell them, take a bite out of this turkey leg (laughs) while they're asking them, what was it like on that third down conversion in the fourth quarter? Also, take a big bite of this turkey leg. Well, and you're being honored with the celebratory. It's like the, the turkey leg is like you're being honored mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you're one of the best players in this game and you mm-hmm. get a turkey leg. That's what Coach Madden would have wanted. <laughs> um, I think it's still very easy to dislike Kirk, but I don't blame a Vikings fan for just rationalizing whatever. I think what you actually are doing, you don't like Kirk. You have Justin Jefferson and he is doing incredible things for Kirk Cousins. If you look up Kirk Cousins numbers, statistically is he he is having a down year for a guy who does not have spectacular seasons but has he's just a very competent middle of the road takes what's in front of him quarterback. He's not having that as much this year, but Justin Jefferson is just a number 1 2 3 wide out in the NFL making unbelievable catches like that one he did against uh was that against the bills where he bills. like basically plucked it against out of the defender's hand and still caught it that was like one of three incredible catches in that game it's the one that got like played everywhere but like he he broke that defense single-handed uh because they just could not cover him and and this was the thing right he makes he does make cousins look like a much better quarterback because cousins has more confidence in him than he's ever had in any other receiver he's worked with and so he will put that thing in play with Justin Jefferson he just down chucks there, it. Kind of, it's 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 interesting. And he's never been that guy, but Jefferson no. makes him that guy. Right, right. And like the, I remember the last time seeing a player like that. It's different because the the actual build of the person was so different. But Kelvin Johnson, Megatron. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just <laughs> so tall. I mean, he was t- he was talented other than being tall. But he was kind of like sometimes frequently see with basketball players where. They don't have to be good basketball players. They're fine, but the they're just where the, just the thing that I always talked about. Like, if you have a certain build, they stop talking about your reach and they start talking about your wingspan. Yeah. And that was the only way they ever talked about Megatron was his wingspan, and it was true. His like a like the radius in which he could snag a ball uh, was coupled with incredible athletic chops. Yeah, he was he was an incredibly special player uh, who also realized that. He was too good an athlete and life is too short to spend it <laughs> uh, playing for the playing for the Lions. But it's just part of what makes Justin Jefferson such an interesting player because he's just so incredibly good at contested catches. He is not uh, like tall in that way. Um, um, obviously athletic, obviously like, you know, built to be a great wide receiver, but he is just has an uncanny ability, sort of like, you know, OBJ, like at at his best uh, is just shouldn't be able to do this and just their hands are where they need to be and have the ability to grip the football, a like notoriously slippery object uh, in a way that just doesn't make, make a lot of sense. So d- don't feel bad. Enjoy it. I, I f- look, I'll, I'll, I'll eat my words if I need to. I think the Vikings are deeply fraudulent. I, I do not. They are not a nine and two team. They uh, that 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 Dallas game was such a return to earth where it was I don't like, think they're they, that bad and I don't think they're no. as good as their record. They have what is called a negative point differential, which uh, like and it's not what you want. Like good teams don't have negative point differentials like this this far into the season. Uh, and I, I think they're probably like an eight, you know, 
I guess it's not eight and eight anymore, but like, you know, nine and eight team. Like, I think they're like slightly above 500. I think they could win a playoff game. They're more likely to lose in the, in the first round. Um, they're, they're going to hope that the Eagles lose a couple here and they could sneak into the, the first seed. So they didn't have to play, uh, in the first round of the playoffs. Cause otherwise I don't think the Vikings are going very far. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, move on to uh, the schedule ahead. Uh, Rob, I have tabulated the numbers uh, over at gridirongames.com where we've been doing a weekly pick'em league with a bunch of folks in the Waypoint uh, community. I should bring this up oh, so fuck. I can. Yeah, you. Uh... I didn't hit submit. I didn't hit submit. I yeah. Hit the green uh, yeah. Uh, okay. You know what? Before I get to the people and uh, the folks in the community and where they're at, I should say week 10. Uh, this is from where we were last off uh, in the last podcast. Rob, 7 out of 14. Patrick, 6 out of 14. Week 11, Rob, 9 out of 14. Patrick, 9 out of, four, out of 14. And as I wrote here, week 12, Rob, 3 out of 16. LOL, no picks after the Thanksgiving games versus Patrick, 12. So not only did you like not submit your picks, but I, I had, I was number one that week. Like I went on a tear, like just g- guessed. I'm well, dying. So you picked the Thanksgiving games and then didn't submit no, the rest. Yeah, that's the thing. So there's a green button you have to do, to like commit the picks. <laughs> and I didn't. I checked all the boxes. I put the little like, what do I think the score is going to be uh-huh. for the Monday night game? <laughs> and then I was like, well, that's done. Click. <laughs> well, I was, I, you know. I've been a little ahead of you all all season, but you're always just like at the end of the first page of scores or like a little after the yeah, second just page. Plummet. Just and I'm plummet. scrolling through and had to control F and I'm like, where is and I was like, oh no, you're all the way at the bottom because it just said no pick, no pick, no pick. Oh so my that, god. That puts our total so far. Rob. 76 of 148, Patrick 89 of 148. I, this mistake is, I think, going to prove crucial down the stretch. Um, still an opportunity. Uh, I'm going to have to delete this all tied up, baby, because that is not true uh, anymore. Oh, my God. Here's the annoying thing. Mm-hmm. So in the family league, because they're the same picks, it's, we do a confidence ball in my family. Okay. Uh, but there, on Sunday, did I seriously do this? One, two, three, four. What would you have gotten? I'll give it to you. Can you just give me your confidence picks? You won't believe me. Uh, actually, I'll screenshot it so you will believe me. Um, it appears that on Sunday... You picked uh, all the games? Oh, my God. Did I? Yeah, actually, that's all of them. No, hold you on. You went I'm 60... Wrong. No? no, no, I didn't. I, I got I got Tampa Bay Cleveland wrong. So you have uh, okay. fifteen out of sixteen. Uh, couldn't be. That couldn't be. Okay, no, I, I was looking at the wrong column. I got so I only got seven on Sunday. Okay, all right. I will. So, I will. I will correct this. I will. Yeah, I, will I, I will. I will put this in the record. So you go from three to seven, and then that increases you. To 10. Uh, to 80, 80 at 148, 89, 148. All right. I'm going to have to mark this down so I can correct this in record. I will, I will, I, I'm, look at that. That is useful to have our backup. Um, uh, so we can, we can correct against that. Uh, all right. Week 13. 
uh, we're heading into a period of the NFL season in which teams may not be mathematically eliminated, but you are starting to get a, a pretty good sense of the pecking order of the playoff picture. Um, you would now have games that are a lot about like jockeying for position. Um, it is true that the jockeying means less these days than it used to because prior to uh, two years ago when they expanded the playoffs to include seven teams, uh, it used to be that the top two teams uh, got a buy. Now it is just the top, the, 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 the first seed, the top team that gets a buy. So there's not as much to play for unless you're like specifically thinking you're going to jockey for what seed you want to play against. That's just like the football is too random to actually pull things like that off. Um, so we start off week 13. Bills, eight and three at Patriots, six and five. Um, the Patriots aren't bad in the sense that they have an excellent defense and they have Bill Belichick, but their offense is putrid. Um, and Mac Jones the, ain't it. No. Uh, and no. yeah, the, the team's not in a good place. I will just say this, though. It occurred to me, though, the sheer injustice of Buffalo finally puts together maybe a great team. Now, they look mm-hmm. mortal, but yep. maybe they've got a great team together. And this is the moment where every single team in that division turns out to be okay. Yeah. Except maybe the Patriots. And the Patriots had over a decade of effectively being spotted six wins every year. Mm-hmm. Like, just a decade of having no divisional competition. And and like the the Jets are have quarterback incompetence, but is an excellent defense. And defense is variable, but like they'll probably be pretty okay for the next couple of years. The Dolphins, even if some of their wide receivers were to go down in you know years going forward, they have an awesome coach. Like I feel like that team is gonna. And they actually they don't have a first round draft. It's the first year where there are thirty two teams, but there's only thirty one draft picks in the first round next year because the Dolphins lost theirs as a result of the Brian Flores, Tom Brady yeah. uh, fuckery. Um, and the bills are going to be excellent year in and year out. So, oh. so here, here's the other thing I wondered. So that whole Tom Brady situation emerged mm-hmm, mm-hmm. later after he unretired where it turned out this was the whole plan all along. Yes. And I, I like just a little part of me wonders, is that actually how he ends up getting divorced? That, what was revealed was that he had plans that maybe his family was not let in on either that like, Oh no, this retirement's on the level. You know what I mean? Like that, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. no, I really am. Like I want out of this. I, I want out of all this. I like, I'm, I'm really thinking about giving it a shot and like walking away from this whole game. And then it emerges that like, all right, so here's how we're going to swing this. <laughs> I'm going to become an investment owner in the Dolphins yes. and also become the quarterback, and Sean Payton is going to be the coach. Fuck. Yeah. That's within I the realm of possibility. I always kind of wondered if just the, like, Machiavellian qualities of that story maybe suddenly, like, snap some things into focus about other things he'd been promising about how mm-hmm. his relationship with the game was, was going to change. Uh... I think the Bills, uh, you know, as much as their defense has been kind of compromised, uh, which I hope does not become their fatal flaw for a team that is otherwise a lot of fun and that Josh Allen is doing some really old school Josh Allen stuff, which is to just throw the ball right at a defender for no particular reason. Which he's been doing increasingly lately. Yeah. Yeah. Which he did early. 
He did, but I'm still going Buffalo. And th- uh, mostly, I'm I I, I just want to see every time they cut to the sideline and you see Bill Belichick's son, that the guy who looks like the hairy beast that I think is yeah. a defensive coordinator or like some assistant, just truly incredible. He's a linebackers um, coach. Linebackers <clears throat> coach. There you go. Um, so yes, we both have the Bills in that game. Steelers four and seven at Falcons five and seven. I don't know what Steelers. to. Yeah, I yeah. so uh, like for me, for me, it is this. Uh, I don't know if Pickett's going to end up being the guy. Sure. I saw that game. He's coming along. He's looking okay. Mike Tomlin like puts together like yep. whatever he's dealing with. He puts a good team together. Uh, I think Pickett is probably going to get, get a bit better than where he is at. They looked okay. Atlanta has not been looking amazing, and I just feel like Pittsburgh is is sort of on the rise toward that 500 record. That that Tomlin has mm-hmm. made his own. Yep. Uh, I will say, uh, you know, you can't redo drafts, but uh, I am remain profoundly upset that the Bears were in position to take George Pickens, um, their wide receiver, who just makes like incredible catch after incredible catch. And boy, boy, I would have loved to have him on the Bears this year. Uh, I'm with you. I go with the Steelers. I think the Falcons, much like the Giants uh, or any of the other teams who have been mirages this year. Like they were frisky. Luck- for they minute. were frisky. They were fun. The best thing for the Falcons is for them to rob. What if the Falcons would at whatever they end up? They're also the Falcons are also known as the X Bears. Ryan Pace is there. Jerry Angelo is there. Um, there are. What if the Falcons, they need a quarterback? They don't have one. Is there a world where Ryan Pace is thinking four-dimensional chess and he drafted Justin Fields, left the Bears to go to the Falcons so that when the Falcons need to get a quarterback, they will trade a King's Ransom to the Bears so the Bears can slide down the draft board, take two first-round draft picks from the Falcons, and get there some te- some edge rusher, a wide receiver of the future, and the Falcons can have whatever quarterback. That's fine. Like I don't I don't care. And that was Ryan Pace's plan all along. That's what I'm hoping for. That would be delicious. <laughs> that is a bold play, like dealing against yourself. <laughs> Broncos three and eight, Ravens seven and four. The Ravens have not looked good. Lamar Jackson has not looked prickly great either. But I, there's not a world where you can ever bet that the Broncos are going to win. No, no, you just never, you never, no, can't do it, can't do it. Uh, but I would love for them to do it because again, any team that is three and whatever that is better for the Bears at this point in the draft process. So please, Russell Wilson, put it together and prove me wrong. Packers four and eight, Ugh, Bears three and nine. I mean, just at this point, we don't know if Justin Fields is going to play. Even if he does, the defense is barely a team. It's a practice squad. Yeah. Like Aaron Rodgers is going to tear us apart. That's going to be be one of the most humiliating games. It is. It's going to be bad. This is going to be like a 40 to 14 game. I don't think he'll go as far as saying I own you because it would just come across as pathetic even for him. But he won't have to say it because everyone will feel it. We know it. <laughs> Jaguar and uh, McAvee show and smirk oh, and everyone will be like, yeah, bears. I mean, see, the quote The quote was something along the lines of scans came back. Good. Got to go into Chicago. 
I mean, we're of course we're gonna get the big win, and then I go into the bye week, and it's just like, what is big win? Can you even say that against us now? Like, is it is it a big win to beat he's us? Pe- he's a petty bastard. He is a petty bastard. Jaguars four and seven, Lions four and seven. The Lions riding a uh, several game winning, a three game winning streak. I think at this point, the Jaguars, uh, Trevor Lawrence incredible on the final drive um, against the Ravens um, and then went for the ballsy two point. Remember the Lions barely lost the Bills. Oh, right. But that, I, you know what? I basically consider morally that that was a win. I agree. Yes. Um, So I guess like two out of three Um, and the, so I don't know. I, the Lions are frisky, but Trevor Lawrence looked really good in the last game. So I will probably go, with the Jaguars while also reserving the right to be unexpected if the Lions win. But I think I would ultimately yeah. pick the Jaguars. Browns, four and seven, which uh right, this this is abs- this is Deshaun Watson's uh first game under uh center for the Browns against the Texans. Against the Texans. So Jesus it's gonna be Christ. Yeah. I did not realize. Whew, one, nine, and one. Uh I don't know what to expect from you know, Watson as a player, two years is a long time to not play yeah. in a game. He looked bad in the preseason, but preseason is not necessarily indicative of success or failure. That said, the Texans led by Lovey Smith are firmly in the they're just flipping a coin on their quarterback territory just yeah. because they're playing out the string. So this is not a bet on Watson as much as it is. I, I just don't, the Texans have nothing going on. And so I I can't imagine they're going to win jets. The uh, Mike white jets uh, seven and four at the Vikings nine and two. I I think I'm picking the jets. I think, I think the, I think the Vikings, like I I could see this, this jet, these jets riding high off of that win against the bears. It's a bit fraudulent. It's a bit fraudulent, but you're, oh, I'm you're going to go with the Vikings? Yeah. Okay, no, I'm going I'm with not. the Jets. I don't think I'm they're gonna... that fraudulent. Okay, okay. I I think the Jets can pull this off. Commanders, 7-5 and five at Giants, 7-4. and four. Uh, The Commanders, who had a really disastrous start to the season because I of... I can't believe they're where, they're where they are right now. They're, they are just riding high on Taylor Heineke, whipping the ball in the air and saying, maybe someone catches it. Uh, the Giants are in a free fall mode. Like, yeah, I no, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm with the Commanders for this yes yes uh titans seven four against eagles this could 10 be a great one. game this, this is gonna be a great, great game. game i think the titans can win but again i cannot bet against the, the eagles ten one team i'm yes. just going with the yes. ten one team yes. yeah go austin you know we're, we're happy for you austin keep it going uh seahawks six and five rams three and eight well the seahawks are faltering but the rams have uh <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> No Matthew Stafford, no Cooper Cup. They might be down Aaron Donald for the rest of the season. Uh, th- that told like there's a world where multiple people that signed contract extensions are about to retire after the season and just go. Oh, no, yeah, Sean McVay is about to disappear. Yes. Um. So that is that is. I'll take the Seahawks because Geno Smith is still uh looking looking pretty good even if their defense is uh. Not quite holding up anymore. Dolphins eight and three, 49ers seven and four. That's shaping up to be a really good game. Um, Christian McCaffrey was like running on the sidelines, you know, kind of trying to work off an injury. They only won 13 to zero against the Saints. Not a particularly impressive victory given how bad the Saints are. 
I mean, as much as I've enjoyed watching the 49ers, I'm, I find it tough to bet against the Dolphins at this point. I just think that they're too fast. And so I think they might actually put this on the 49ers. I'm thinking with the Niners here. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Chiefs nine and two, Bengals seven and four. The Bengals. Jamar Chase is supposed to come back this week. I do not have him in my fantasy league, but I do have Joe Burrow and I do have T.Y. Higgins, and they are better when Jamar Chase is in. And so I am going to bet on my fantasy team. Wow. As yeah, I I am I am saying this can be an upset. I'm going. I'm my face team is doing fantastic. I'm second in my league. I can win like seven hundred dollars if I keep if I keep going. So we're we're riding with the Bengals. So I don't blame you for doing the Chiefs, but I'm put. I'm just betting money on money on money right now. I'm just stacking them up. Uh, but Mahomes yeah, is I incredible. Am, so I am I, not I, <laughs> taking the Bengals over Patrick Mahomes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Not no no argument there. This is purely an emotional play. Yep. Chargers six and five, Raiders four and seven. <sighs> What's the difference between these two teams? Chargers? I don't know. I feel like, I, but I feel like the Chargers is more like I've gotten more of a sense lately. The ship might be more righted, like has been righted a little bit. Yeah, it felt. Who did the Ra- who did the Raiders just beat? Uh, oh, it was the, yeah, the, the walk off. Um, ah. Uh, the Seahawks. Oh, the Seahawks, yeah. Well, that's not that impressive. So I think I'm going with Chargers. It's not I, a bad win, but yeah, not a bad win. Not a bad win, but not, but not impressive enough to think that they. Uh, I, th- this would be a coin flip for me. The Raiders have not looked nearly as bad as their record indicates, uh, but I, I, I have trouble picking them because of the high variance that they have shown over the season. Man, the Chargers have also amassed a lot of dog shit wins. Uh, dude, yeah, they're they're not great either. Colts four seven and one. Jeff, the Colt, the Jeff Saturday Colts at the Cowboys eight and three. No, nope. the magic is the, the, there's no magic in this game. You're gonna get your asses whooped. Uh, you might as well not show up. And then the final game of the weekend: Saints four and eight at Buccaneers five and six. The Saints are bad. The Bucks aren't good either. I I take the Bucks purely on. Oh, yeah. A talent level, but not because I think they've necessarily uh, earned the right uh, to be a high favorite. So uh, that will do it for sports until. I don't know, at least the first week of January, probably. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we have some things mapped out for the, the rest of December. Um, but broadly speaking, we're going to be kind of disappearing the last two weeks of uh, December. And so that kind of takes sports out of the equation. Um, you know, if something wild happens, we'll we'll see what we can put together. But I, I would say the largely expect sports to take a bit of a break uh, until uh, the early part of the year. Uh, I sincerely appreciate everyone that's been listening. This has been a lot of fun to do. This is kind of a lark that has turned into something a little more serious. And it's been a lot of fun to, to shoot the shit with you, Rob, about something that we otherwise do drinking in dms and instead we drank on a microphone and uh uh we have a lot of uh, plans to continue it and obviously we have the nfl playoffs that'll be coming up uh by the time we return the and frankly the premise of this podcast was let's talk about the bears 
there's going to be nothing to talk about for the rest of the season. No. So we might as well fast forward to a part. Now, granted, I think the regular season actually doesn't end. It used to end by the end of the year. I think with actually it ends in January at this point. Um, uh, but uh, so we'll have, a, we'll be able to do sort of a bears uh, kind of wrap up by the end of there. And hopefully Justin Fields will have a couple of fun games uh, for us to, to chat about and see what the team looks like as they head into probably the most important off season in my, like the last 10 years uh, in terms of what's going to define what this team is. Uh, but in the meantime, you can follow waypoint uh, on Twitter at waypoint on Twitch at twitch.tv slash waypoint on YouTube at youtube.com slash waypoint vice and our writing at waypoint.vice.com. This episode is premiering ad free on waypoint plus, which you can subscribe to and gain access to early episodes, exclusive episodes, ad free episodes and more at waypoint plus. Dot com. You can follow me on Twitter at Patrick Klopik. Rob, how about you? At Rob Zachney. Fuck capitalism and bear down. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.